and welcome to this episode 14 of the Northern Invasion podcast. As ever, um, it's myself, Stu West, and I'm joined by Scott Smith. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Liam Watt. Evening. And Nathan Watson. Good morning, chaps. <laughs> so, um, it's been a while. Well, seems to have been a while, but this is the end of the year. It's the end of 2018. And this is our our joyful Christmas show for those people while they're they're making their Christmas dinner can can listen to to Scott, Nathan, and Liam and myself babble. So we've got quite a lot to talk about. We've got um, tournament diary. We've got a question segment. We're finally getting round to um, because we've been so many uh, events recently that we've been focusing on that. After we get through the questions, we've got some more stuff. We're going to be focusing this time on the Iron Jaws. And we're also going to do a, a section on um, the good good practice in the deployment phase. Uh, we're then going to have a look at um, what we'd like to see next year and what the best things have been about this year. And then a bit of an update on um, uh, Northern Invasion, the event, and uh, our Patreon supporters and and. Uh, Thankfully, I think most of us are off on our Christmas halls now. Uh, not everybody, though, unfortunately, but we can we can get through this fine. So we'll start with yourself, Scott. It's the tournament diary and the 2019 ranking scorings. Have you got an update for us? I do, and I've got a bit of an, a background singer here. I don't know if you're here, you can hear her. She's, <laughs> so I'm sitting in the hobby room, um, and my youngest is here watching some nursery rhymes on YouTube. So there was a little bit of singing there about tractors, but it may fade in and fade out, I don't know. So anyway, back to business. Um, so yes, the tournament calendar, um, I've just fired it up. So it's on TGA, if anyone wants to have a look. It's in the events page, and it's just the Scottish AOS calendar 2019 thread. Um, and I'm just skimming through it, because it's been a wee while since I sort of had last thought about it. But there's actually everything, uh, there's an event in every month next year currently except me i was trying to think is that right is it, there's nothing in me yet i can think of but uh, anyway we can have a think about that in a second so um the first event is uh tempest which is my event and that's uh, the 19th 20th of january so it's only what four weeks away now i think four weeks yesterday i think that's right um so that's two day event um and it's still got a few tickets left if anyone's interested it's it's, it's got 46 spaces i've sold 42 um well it had it had sold out but there's been a few dropouts so as usual so there's there's currently four tickets available if anyone's interested so 30 quid gets you gets you five games lunch blah 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 and uh the pleasure of all your guys company so that's uh that's january um two weeks later we're looking at john's new tournament um this is hammer of the north so this is a one-day event so a nice start to the year a mixture of one and two days so both these are in fact Pretty much all of these are at Common Ground in Stirling, because um, that's generally where we have our events. So if you don't know that already, um, so Hammer of the North is going to be a one-day event. The pack's out for that already, um, and you can still there's still quite a few spaces for that available as well. So um, so get on that, and then into March we've got another two dayer. It's Kev's Follow the Old World, Follow the Old World Five, believe it or not. Um, so it's two days, middle of March, sixteenth to seventeenth. Same thing, five games, 2,000 points. And his, his pack's out, already out as well. So you can get all these links on the TGA thread there to all the packs and to all the sign-up pages. 
and the packs are, I think, fairly similar, but they've all got their own little flavour to them. So Tempest is what I'm trying out is um, different pools of missions this time. So they'll be rather than being set in a specific realm that has a bit more connotations, probably with the new AOS and the Malign sorcery. So I've decided to keep it quite vanilla. But the the sort of USP this time is the is the five different pools of missions we've tried to group them into. So there's uh, maybe more chance to get a broader variety in the five games. So that's that's the one thing there. Hammer of the North, I think John's setting it all in the realm of something. I can't remember, is it Shadow he's doing or Death? I should check that. <laughs> Hold on, I'll, I'll click the link. Here we go. Uh, the thread's in action here. Um, and for the old world, Kev is doing something where you can bring along allies you're not normally allowed to. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's anything from your Grand Alliance, I think it is. You've, yeah. got, you've got the same restrictions on points and um, numbers, but you're not you're not limited to specifically what it says for your faction. Yeah, so that's quite interesting. See what filth people can generate from that. Um, I'm just looking through John's pack here. So I don't see what if he's sitting in a specific realm. I don't think he is. Oh, he's not using relocation orb. There we go. So that's a little bit of a interesting twist that'll keep some folk happy. Um, and we're not using the realm of beats either. So <laughs> no music. <laughs> no beats. No beats. But uh, other than that, it looks like it's it's all the realms. So that's uh, that's good. So that's the first three. And if you look further in the calendar, April we've got another new event. Twin Realms, so this is another slightly different way of doing it. This is a one-day doubles event. And we've not had many of them up here, so that'll be a nice change. Um, only three games, but that'll be 1,000 points each you can take along. And he's got I think he's got no restrictions on who can team up with who, so you can have Stormcast with Zinch or something like that, you know. So that should be quite good. So it takes us to May, where there's a little bit of a break. And, well... Start of June will be Six Nations, so everything up till there is uh, pre Six Nations. So Six Nations is the start of June, and but after that we've got Cry Havoc in June, which is John's uh, club's dwarf annual event in the summer. So that's in Dunfermline. That's a one day or three games, and then into July we've got the one and only Northern Invasion. Yes, which Fixed. is uh, which is uh, moved a, a wee bit. Yeah. So actually, oh, I've got in here two-day single. Oh, that's right, two-day singles events. Sorry, I'm reading my thing as I'm going along here. Um, so yeah, over to you, Stu. You can maybe talk more about that if you want. Yeah, uh, I suppose so. It's um, same as ever. It's going to be two days this time again. Uh, it worked well last time. Um, five games. Um, don't know the ins and outs yet. I've not totally settled because I think we'll probably have just had a handbook. So I'll maybe yeah. wait to see what's what before I fix anything. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's 35 quid with lunch on both days, uh, donuts for breakfast. There'll be plenty of prizes, free raffle. Um, got some good sponsors lined up. We're hoping, fingers crossed, everything looks like we're going to have it streamed as well um, mm. and commentated. Um, but more on that um, probably in our next episode. Um, and what was the other thing? Oh, and people who are... Um, patrons uh, podcast patrons uh, get a discount on the tickets that's 10 percent off um people see that when they when they sign up and whatever level of pledge that you've put in um you get early access to tickets so people can buy them now so i think we've sold 
I mean, I've not been announcing things very much, but we've already had uh, six tickets sold. Um, previous entrants who are not currently um, patrons will be able to start on the 15th of January and get tickets, and then whatever's left will release on the 1st of February for anybody else who wants to come and join in the fun. So not much more at this point to say about it, I don't suppose, but we'll uh, we'll focus on it a little bit more in the new year. Excellent. Um, so that's July, August uh, is the return of Warpath, which has moved around. I think it was that was that the one that was in May last year, maybe. That was one you were involved yeah, in, my, Nathan. Yeah. yeah. So you're not involved this year, is that right? Uh, no, it was always oh. meant to be something for the East Cobride Club, the Scottish Fanatics, and they've taken it over this year. Um, cool. I think, it, it, to my knowledge, it is uh, Matt Rennie. Ross, Joyce, and Stephen Craig that are running it this year. Excellent. Oh, cool. I'm going to try and get along to that this time. Good to see new folk jumping in. So that's a one day in on the 10th of August. Um, there's another new event. It's uh, a two-dayer. It's called Onslaught, and that's uh, Mark Roberts has jumped in to run that. So that's in September 7th and 8th, again at Common Ground. So um, far too early yet to know what's going to be involved there, but that's another two day on the calendar, so it's great to see. There's a nice, um, nice split of these now. So that takes us to October, where the Howling is penciled in. That's Mike's tournament, the one dayer. Um, I don't think he's booked a date for it yet, but he might have done. You can tell me if he's as, and I'll fill it in. But that's uh, that's October, so we're getting way ahead of ourselves now. But and then that leaves uh, Winter War in November again. That's the Dwarf Charity event um, every year, which actually I missed last year, but is. Um, that's towards the end of the year and then that takes us to Masters in December so that'll be happening again um, I haven't booked the date yet with Steve um, so that's to be determined but it will be roughly the same as, as it was um, a few weeks ago so that takes us, so that's looking at the calendar what's that, one, two, three, four two dares in there and one, two three maybe four one day or so nice split there and then the doubles event on its own sort of standing out so yeah obviously not too far to uh to travel we've also got the events in the north of england that um i don't think any of the dates are announced for those yet but um if those guys want us to give them a shout out feel free as tos to send us the information and we'll uh we'll we'll make sure that we can point people in the right direction yeah, absolutely. So this this is just a Scottish tournament page. It's, it's kind of been historically Scottish for years and years. Um, and although the rankings is northern rankings, um, which does encompass the north of England, they're not on this page. So it's, it's two sort of slightly different things the way it's kind of run. So, but it all feeds it, into the northern rankings. So there is a Facebook page, isn't there? Northern Alliance, is it called? Northern yeah, Alliance Age of Sigma. Yeah, AOS Northern Alliance and, and another one AOS Scotland, which both kind of everyone sort of spams both of them with their events to try and maximize sort of coverage and stuff so yes join the groups if you want to keep up to date with stuff and if you got any questions yep be good. facebook tga twitter that's the best places to to, to sort of stalk if you so you mentioned you mentioned the masters there scott are we are we are you thoughts that you're gonna expand it to the top 20 I think I think so. I'm still keen on yeah. it. I've had, a, I've had a few voices saying keep it to 16, keep it 16. Um, I still think 20 can be uh, competitive and tight and and a treat. You know, it's still hard to get into the top 20, particularly mm-hmm. if 
the scene still grows this year, which, you know, fingers crossed it can still grow a little bit, I think. Yeah, no, um, that sounds good. I think that's still the plan. I haven't uh, finalised it yet. The the scorings as well, you were you modified slightly. I don't want you to go into in-depth <laughs> into algorithms or anything, but there has been some slight changes, hasn't there, to how things are going to be scored next year? Yeah, so the... And I think it's the final plan. I've not spent any more time in it. Um, but I've bounced it around a few folk, um, particularly JP. He was my sort of data monkey over WhatsApp. Um, and what we've tried to do this time, so still the same philosophy that it scales with number of attendees, which is kind of what you see in other event, other uh, ranking systems, but maybe not so uh, kind of linearly as what we do it. Um, and it still scales with number of number of games. Um, oh, there's company here. <laughs> Look, there's a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> the real experts joined us, so there we go. Data monkey is in the house. <laughs> <laughs> so there might be some singing now. Um, what we've what decided to do with this with this one is cap it, not cap it, but realistically, the maximum in Scotland is going to be common ground, and the maximum there is about, in my experience, forty six. I don't think we've had forty six there yet. Maybe we have. Um, so that would be a hundred points. That, that, that's that's a nice kind of max, and everything scales up and down from there. But realistically, it won't be going any higher than that. Um, and I've tweaked the ramp so that it doesn't drop off quite so quickly with number of players, and also the difference between three games and five games is not so um, severe as it was last year. So the idea being, it bunches the tournaments more together in a group, but still has a little bit of variation in them. Um, so maybe like the biggest event last year was Northern Invasion with whatever, I mean, 46 players or 42 players, something like that. Uh, f- yeah, 40, 42, I think it was 42, for the for the two-day A, yeah. Yeah, so that was, just looking at the spreadsheet here, I think it was about 130-odd points for the winner. And then if you scale that down to <clears throat> like a, uh, what was quite a full event, uh, even the one-day event, Howling, 38 players, was 94 points, so they're... You know, it's it's a big effect. And if you compare Northern Invasion to like Tempest, which was, it was bang on thirty, and and the Agoms, they they were all thirty. So and they so they're a hundred points. So it's you know thirty percent difference between the Northern Invasion and the others, which maybe is too severe. And it maybe, uh, well, it certainly impinged on your score, Stu. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, there's a few things to try and spread out here. Is the effect on TOs not playing? The other argument was that maybe you could assign the TO a. a, a a percentage score of their own event, you know, that they could use as a sort of uh, trump card to use in their rankings if they wanted to. Some other places do that, like Northern Ireland do that. Um, maybe others as well, I don't know. But uh, so anyway, it, it's a healthy calendar though this year. So, yeah, as you've said, there's already a good variety of two and one days. So it's That's probably it. not as needed this time. Yeah. And the other argument is, well, playing your own event, like, well, I really want to. It, it, it's, no. it's stressful enough sometimes trying to herd everyone around and um, not so much getting asked questions because you don't get that a lot of it in AOS now, but it's, it's just the general everything else. Um, you know, it's hard enough for me to concentrate in a game anyway, so <laughs> with all that going on. Um, and there is plenty of events to get your scores up. Um, and uh, so that's so that's the one side of it, it's just to bunch it up more and there'll be less points overall available, but they'll be more tighter together. Um, which should which should you know make it a bit more interesting hopefully, um, and keep everything in the mix a bit more. So the one dares are still significant, and the big one dares are still you know really significant as well. So 
Well, I look forward to the monthly update on the ranking points. Yeah. It'll be quite um, nice and quite exciting. And the, the final piece of the pie is thinking of going to f- top four games rather than top okay. three. So that's maybe still to be thought about and how that might impact on getting into Masters and stuff like that. I need to have a quick think about that. But um, I think there's probably enough players playing enough tournaments that picking four is you know, still more than what the average is for the top. I think if you look at the top 50, they played more than four tournaments each. So yeah, it's whether that's threes, maybe better to just pick your best ones rather than four. And still need to think about that. But anyway, that's, that's, that's where we are. So, so 2019 should be even better with a bit of luck. Ah, that's good. Thanks a lot. And thanks for all the effort you put in last year. It's, uh, it's been quite excited and, and my target through the year was to qualify for the Masters, and and that was a a great weekend when we got there. So so yeah, thanks again. Yeah, well, um, I just need to I'm, just need to find the magic uh, the magic sort of algorithm that gets me in. That's the that's that's the secret. Well, that's you the should point. automatically qualify as the as the wild card. Surely you and the the previous Master should just get a, a ticket. The fact top that you orchestrated top hundred the players then. How did you not get in? Well, you, were, was... you were in control of the numbers. You should have been in. <laughs> it, it's it's because I made an arse of my last two tournaments. That's what it is. <laughs> I, I had enough one. points there that I could have got in, but I made a mess of it. So it's all Nurgle's fault. Ah, well, there we go. Okay, well, thanks again for that. Um, is there anything from yourselves that you want to comment on the the diary or the uh, the rankings? We'll start with yourself, Liam. No, nothing there. Good. Good stuff, Nathan. Just that the calendar is amazing now. Like, if you just look at the tournaments up here, it's awesome. So, yeah, really well done. I changed my answer to the same as Nathan's. There we go. Oh, well done. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. And I know that you two were, were keen on hosting an event yourselves, but the diary was so full. You actually struggled to find a, a date, didn't you? It's because yeah. of Star Wars's fault. <laughs> We were going to do May 4th, oh, right. um, but it turns out there's an yeah. a, a X-Wing event on, so uh, kind of scuppered plans. It ended up falling too close to Bobo or too close yeah. to Six Nations for people to really, like, you don't want to put too much in the calendar because then it just weakens some of the other events. So. Yeah. But we'll maybe do it one year. Uh-huh. So we'll, we'll, we'll try to find something to do in May, so whether we have some, some sort of... Uh... Well, Bobo's the 18th, isn't it? Are you heading to that, aren't you? I'm going to that. I think there's quite a few of us going down from Scotland. I think there's yeah, about there's eight of us now. Or seven. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah there's there's an, a large number of the contingent going down. Yeah, and it should be good because uh, I know we're going to talk about Six Nations later, but I think all the Northern Irish and all the Irish boys are going. Yeah. So it should be a good crack. It's looking huge. It's almost 200, is that right? Yeah, yeah. This I think they were just short of selling out with the five tickets left or something. I don't know if they've gone now. It'd be really yeah, interesting to see if it um, outsells South Coast or not. Yeah. It has, yeah. I think it's at 200 now. Oh, well, last, the last South last. Coast was a bit of a cock-up, but the this one, it's, he generally releases it in January, so we'll see what happens there. But. Yeah. Well, I did want to go down to the South Coast as well, but to be honest, <laughs> it's just so difficult to get there. Yeah. Uh, that that um, Lincoln's probably a bit easier and and i'm i'm gonna come down on the boat and then uh get a lift i think there's a car full of us coming down from uh from aberdeen so i'm gonna get the boat to aberdeen and then there's another couple of cars going from 
central belt as well. So, yeah, it should be good fun. I think we're all staying in the same hotels, so it should, <laughs> I can imagine uh, we're going to have a, a good evening, a good couple of evenings. And then we've got a day in Warhammer World as well on the uh, Monday, and we're not coming back till the Monday night, so we're making a big weekend of it. While we're on the subject of travelling far um, and <laughs> going down the south coast, <laughs> there's, there's there's a guy, uh, Rich Morley, who's coming to Tempest, who is coming from the south coast. He's coming from, like, Dorset or somewhere like that. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, yeah, if he can make it to us, then maybe we can probably make it down there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, if I lived where you lived, I wouldn't have an argument. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's grand. So... Okay, so switching to our FAQ, our uh, FAQ, <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit of a, a, a spoiler. Spoiler alert. Uh, so our questions segment, we've been meaning to get through some of these questions for absolutely months, and it's probably for the best, actually, that uh, that we waited, because our first one was how to get the best out of the doppelganger cloak, uh, and how to make sure that um, you, can, you can really, yeah position your units right and get the right numbers in and well we kind of half guessed it a couple of episodes ago and and the the big winter faq has has touched the uh has touched on that and changed that so i suppose our first question has changed and we have been asked um kind of consolidated a couple of questions into one here um from some of our listeners so the first one was Obviously, from somebody who's a little bit lazy to read them themselves. <laughs> um, fair play. What are the main FAQ changes? And is there one thing we thought might change that didn't? So we can probably go around that ourselves. Um, I don't know. Uh, Liam, do you want to talk people through what you think some of the main FAQ changes were before we actually go to what we might have expected that didn't come about? So the is there highlights. any highlights? Highlights, yeah. Of- of good changes or changes that well just changes that matter uh so there was a change to obviously the doppelganger cloak to make it once per uh game now rather than every turn obviously kicking in uh now that only works in that phase also uh stops it affecting hero phase piling attacks which was also quite big mm. uh pretty much you could still use the item i just think it takes a even more of a knowledge of playing the game and knowing what uh, order things will kick in a lot stronger now than what it was before. So is it just for that one combat phase then? So if you're up yeah, against so you the eels, you can't kick it out and then... Um, so if you nominate the start of the hero phase, because on now nominate to the start of the hero phase, you've got a really bad uh, point of it also. If you're in the realm of light, they could, if it's their turn, they could attack you before uh, even you get to put the cloak on. Because if they use the command point, they'll get to attack you at the start of the hero phase, which means they'll okay. go before the item also, which completely neuters its uh, strength. It's a buff for Deepkin, because if it's their turn in the high tide, they all get no, to no, fight. No, they don't, they don't attack at the start of the hero phase. They attack first, but they don't attack at the start of the hero phase. Uh, combat phase, isn't that? No, they attack before all other units, but they don't attack at the start of the combat uh, phase. Right, okay. I thought it was the start. Very mistake. But there, you're, you would get to shock it before you would know as well if it's even going to put it on or not. Which can, again, wound it enough that the model that was taking it. Ah, uh, yeah, so they, they can do their uh, eel shock. So you can, yeah. you can charge in and shock it before it can put on its cloak. Yeah. But, um, yeah. 
Got you. You could you could always shock it before, but now you're gonna you're kind of gonna deter your opponent from even putting it on because they're gonna take hopefully like nine wounds from your shock. Then they'll be like, well, it's not got five wounds left. It's not gonna survive the two units it's fighting with, sort of thing. So there's no point in even putting it on. Mm. So aside from the doppelganger cloak, what else is there? There was a clarification on the talisman Talisman of the Watcher uh, to obviously that it was in the combat phase rather than any lasting forever. It now obviously says it lasts until the end of the phase. Yeah, this was another Uh, one we discussed a couple of weeks, a couple of episodes ago, isn't it, where we were thinking once it was activated, there was an interpretation that it could stay on them for the rest of the game and you could... Each each hero phase, or each combat phase, sorry, uh, choose a, a different unit to benefit. Yeah, uh, that was kind of the big thing for well for a short while. Uh, it was quite a talk thing. Uh, they confirmed, uh, obviously, there was no real changes to a lot of the stuff that obviously everyone thought was going to get changed, like Legions of the Gash, Daughters of Cain, and Stormcasts. Uh, they kind of all got left to be the way They've been playing for the last six months mm-hmm. since the last one. And think, the only um, thing that was clarified was that the two Garden of Souls uh, are now available, even for the wording before was just Guardian of Souls, which technically covered both anyway. Yeah. They just obviously rather confirmed it for everyone else. I suppose another one is the Holy Within. Um, that was Holy Within is back to what it is, yeah. Yeah, it's how it It's back to what to it be. means, yeah. Yeah, so for those that haven't picked up on it, they... Um, there was an argument that if a single model is only within, say, 12 inches, then the whole of the base has to be wholly within the 12 inches. But if you have a unit of three hunters, say, um, for them to be wholly within, it's it. there was an interpretation that so long as all three had part of their bases in, the unit was wholly within. Yeah, because um, they, they hadn't used the word wholly again. They said a unit yeah. is wholly within if they are within. Yeah. So they, they just missed a word out. Yeah, but now they've clarified that, yeah. so you do have to have the whole of your base in of every model in the unit. So, um, so that's been cleared up. Um, uh, I think Iron Jaws got... got a minor hurt hit uh, due to obviously their uh, allegiance ability allowing them to move or uh, charge in the hero phase got limited to once per unit. Uh, also, they clarified the Iron Fist's move as it couldn't let them retreat out of combat and. Obviously, classifying it as a move, then they couldn't move further into a unit they were already in combat with. It's uh, a strange one because you don't you don't see them out there that often. So maybe more, I think is... it's more of a clarification on how moves work. I do understand. Mm-hmm. I do understand the uh, the allegiance ability because allegiance ability can be quite mental. Uh, if you if if the stars align and you get it to work, it can be as me and Nathan have talked about it before. It can be so good. Because you, it's what you do is you roll. So uh, war bosses get to do theirs on a four plus instead of the six. So a, a, mega, a mega boss and a maw crusher does it on a four up. He's in twelve of a unit. He charges. He gets the charge off. He'll do his mortal wounds. If he then kills the unit, he'll get to charge again, and then he could obviously kill another unit uh, or damage another unit if he's obviously it matters on like I says how well the stars align. You could end up doing a severe amount of damage to two free units just by tapping them and then jumping into another unit. If you had another mob, uh, Mega Boss and Maw Crusher, you could also do the same and you could just tap through someone's army. Or you could move twice and move 
14 inches each time. If you have cogs up before it, you'll get to go even further because uh, obviously it's just a normal move. So it'd be like a 16 inch. Or if you have the thermal rider cloak, that's plus four. So it's 18 times in that by two, that's a 36 inch move. And then your normal move is quite a big distance of the board to cross, which I think mm -hmm. obviously they were just wanting to mitigate from that stacking of that combo. Yeah, fair play. And then the uh, the spell portal um, has has had some clarification on on um, certain spells from it, isn't it? And... Uh, spells that measure a point and a line to caster got uh, worded that they go back to the caster rather than to the portal. Which is yeah, which is an odd one because strange. if you've got, say, for example, um, an amaranth and orb, which is Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it a 12 inch line or an... a point for within 12 inches? And then yeah. you back to caster, yeah. So that's what the normal thing is, and it's it's perceived to be all like gazer mark or whatever. It's it's a it's a, a line like a, a laser, if you like, that comes from your unit to the point, and everything that 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 line crosses uh, takes mortal wounds or is has the chance of mortal wounds. Mm -hmm. Now the way it's changed was, and the way it used to be played was, you can look through one portal and then it casts through the other portal, and then you draw the line 12 inches from the other portal and back to the portal, which makes sense in a way because you're kind of looking through a magic mirror um, and you blast through the mirror. It comes out the mirror and hits the spot you're looking at. But what it's been ruled as is that you pick the spot 12 inches away, but then the blast doesn't come through the mirror. It still comes from the caster. So you're in effect getting that distance between the mirrors additional above and beyond the normal 12 inches. So if you take Arcan, for example, who can add six inches um, per command point he spends, you can end up really, um, or if you're in the realm of shadow, uh, where you can locate the, the mirrors a big distance, you can end up doing a, a line. If you, if you position your caster right, you can pretty much blitz a, a large proportion of your, uh, your opponent's army. Um, if you get the spell off, so it's it's, uh, it's still a, it's a fifty fifty. It's it can be good, but I think also at the same time the old way was just as good. I think it yeah. just yeah, it's more your placement. I think it'll come down to placement more. I think you have to play it in your head a turn before now more than what you had to before because obviously you just put, set up the portal and then chose your angle to hit those four heroes. Now you can't do that as easy. Uh, from turn one, you can't obviously line that up to hit those four heroes if they're yeah. uh, obviously they're horizontal to the uh, their board edge. You won't be able to hit all four. You maybe hit two if you're lucky with your angle, but obviously the way you played before, you'd hit all four of them and you could take yeah fifty fifty. You could end up taking two of them off. Now you're going to hit more units, but you've got more chance obviously hitting your own units as well because that means you're going to hit your wall yeah. that's protecting you. Running the risk of slowing the game down a bit as well. We were talking about that a little bit earlier. Like if it if you're casting at the length of the table mm. and then it's going through scenery, it's going through like other units on the table. I just have to get my laser pointer back. You need your laser line again. Yeah. It's yeah. Just invaluable bits of kit. Pain in the bum. Yeah. Well I don't get to use it that often since um since we, <laughs> I use it in X-wing now, and occasionally yeah, to see if people yeah, can see around terrain with bows, and I should use it more frequently to see if people can shoot through intervening units. But I'm always a little bit too generous with that for people. Um, but I think I think this will come in handy for that sort of thing. It is really great for 
for tracing that millimeter wide line. Okay, so they're the the main changes, I think, aren't they? Can anyone think of any other ones before we go on, perhaps in a positive way, what we might have expected? Uh, the realm of Olgu also got fixed there uh, for when you move ah, yeah. with the command point. It's now counted as your move for the turn. And the same with the spell mirror pool in the realm of life. That's right, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, so there were a few things, but as we say, I mean, it's 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 good that it was light touch because it's nothing that's uh, that we're having to relearn a game or or uh, go back to the drawing board with a strategy or an army. So that's that's really positive stuff. But then we've been asked here, as I say, um, we'll we'll maybe try and limit it to one thing each that we thought um, might have changed that didn't. And I'm torn between two things to say. So I'm probably going to go around you guys first in case one of you says something because I don't want to hog time. So, um, well, we heard from yourself there, uh, Liam. So we'll we'll skip over to to Nathan first and work our way around. Um, the one thing that I did expect was for legions of Nagash to lose access to Grim Gas Reapers, or for them to reword how their allegiance abilities, including the command ability and grave sites and stuff, interact with allies or other death units and just tidy it all up a little bit. Um, yeah, I thought that they might just lose the summonable keyword, which probably would have fixed most things, wouldn't it? Well, I'm pretty sure that the Guardian of Souls spell is return D6 Nighthaunt models. It's, it's not yeah. summonable, is it? So yeah, it's Nighthaunt. No. All it would do is it would limit the effectiveness of night hunt units in legions of Nagash armies. Yeah, well, that's now, what I mean. I think if you took away that summonable, they can't benefit from the grave sites and you can't pop them back out. Well, it does. Like, you'd be talking just Grim Gas Reapers. They're not summonable because oh, like, right, just the whole night haunt. spirit hosts and whole stuff, night they're haunt. still used. All of them. All night haunt. Would I lose think that would, be too, that would be too hard of a. Like, I, I still think that there's some great uses for Spirit Hosts and Hex Wraiths. Mm. I was using them before the Night Hunt book and before Handbook 2 came out. I know mm. some people, like um, Chippy Rick, uh, Ricky Mee's list from down south, he uses uh, six Spirit Hosts in his Nagash list. Uh, same um, with Russ Veal in his yeah. Sack list. Yeah. So there's, there's some things that I don't think are too strong. Maybe they should have changed the quote-unquote elite units to not be summonable. Yeah. Um, like the blade geists and the grim ghasts would maybe be considered as the kind of elite units in Night Hunt. So maybe they could have they could have done that and that would have fixed it. But um, that that's why I expected to keep it short. I, I did expect. It. I'm not disappointed that it's not been put in because, no. like, I, I guess we now just need to put a bit more effort. We've got a bit more time to try and figure it out. Uh, put lists together that counter them. If they really are seen that much, then it's a safe bet to take something that's going to beat them up on the table. Yeah, I think the idea is that obviously all the new Stormcast stuff targets Night Haunt units a lot, which is yeah. supposed to be the idea of the downside of taking Night Haunt units over Death Rattle, for example. I think that's the idea of why you would, like a lot of folk believe, but maybe there's just not enough Stormcast players maybe playing the anti Night Haunt stuff. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe if. Uh, you see people taking counters to Daughters of Cain, which was another thing we expect to change, and uh, the Grimgast Reapers, or Legions of Grimgast, as some people are mm -hmm. uh, calling it online, maybe. If uh, if we see more people taking direct counters to them, we would see less of them at tournaments. Yeah, I think so. 
Okay, cheers for that. Good concise stuff. What about yourself, Scott? Um, I thought there might be a little a bit of Gavriel Surecharge love or, or non-love. Um, <laughs> I was kind of hoping you might see that. Not obviously, it's a big tax and it's you know it's a lot of eggs in one basket, blah blah blah. But even just the philosophy behind it of stacking things up. I know it's not just Surecharge. There's Neferata, blah blah. Oh, see, yeah, you're aiming. Zero. Sorry to interrupt, Scott. That's what I was going to say. I yeah. thought there would just be a clean slate of yeah. command abilities can't stack on the same yeah. unit. You can use the same command ability more than once, but it could only target each unit once. Yeah, you could you could you just make things a whole lot better, and, and folk wouldn't complain. It's not like you you, you know you're going to ruin the game for people. I don't think so. I think yeah, like you have to read the wording on a lot of command abilities to see if they do stack or if they can be used multiple times. Uh, but yeah, that would clean the game up so much if they just went, these can't, these can't use all these units. Pretty much every unit can't stack. It's completely. Yeah. Having had it in, well, no, no, they didn't have, it, didn't have it in AOS one, but they had the clean rule of one, rules of one in AOS one, which they seemed to back away from in AOS two. Yeah, I think Archeon was the only way around it. I think he was the only thing that allowed you to stack. A command ability back then, because you could take yeah, yeah, like free Lord of Lights with them and put that on the same unit three times, sort of thing. That was the only way of doing it back then. They seem to have stopped the stacking on a lot of the unit, the like Nurgle. They stopped the ground clean one and that, but yeah. they didn't. They didn't stop a lot of the other things that do the exact same thing for another army. Yeah. Well, that's grand. Uh, what about yourself then, Liam? Was the one thing? It was. It was literally thought? as I inter- uh, said to Scott. There, it was the commandability stacking. I thought that was just going to be a clean, yeah, get rid of stacking commandabilities. Neferata example, uh, Arcan. Uh, again, example like Vordry's got an example of a perfect command ability. You can target different units with the same command abilities. You can spend the command points, but you can only target each unit once with it. Yeah, it's totally fine. Uh, same idea with like the White King Vampire Lord, all got reworded to being once on a unit. But for why of that reason they got affected, but uh, like you say, Neferata got ignored. Gavriel Shurhart, they even said in the FAQ that it was totally fine to stack it. Arcane uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. All of the WAS. I understand that you can use multiple WAS. Uh, that's totally fine. Like different types of WAS, but I well, don't understand. One, there's Mighty WAS. So yeah. They're different things. But like even even if you took three war bosses and they all used their WAS, I think that's totally fine. But the same model using its same command yeah. ability is the problem, I think. Yeah. Definitely. So obviously, well, a lot of the command abilities they're on unique characters that you wouldn't be able to then stack the command Deepkin in its current iteration, I suppose. Well, I say wreck. I don't even use the command ability, but it's uh, only Voltronus's version because you would just otherwise use the would... same. Oh well, yeah, the king can target other units, can't he? You can only get is you get to turn three and you might have three or four command points, and you can you put like, them on different well, units. You're on yeah. high tide anyway, so you're all Volturnus attacking. Can't. There's no difference. Yeah. He would only be able to use it once. But yeah, stack, stacking does seem to be a problem. Well, no, he could still use it free because ta- his one targets three units. So the same units just couldn't be targeted again. So you'd be able to use it more than once, but he just wouldn't be able to target the same three units, which is still possible. It's a lot awesome. harder with the Holy Within. It'll be a lot harder with that. They obviously fixed Marathes and the Slaughter Queens in the last FAQ to be once per unit. 
But again, I don't see much units surviving 40, well, 30 witch elves hitting you in the hero phase. But I think they have uh, taken all of the pile in and attack with this model. Like anything that lets you move and pile in and attack, it can only be done once now. I'm not missing any ammo. Like they've done Vordry. They've done all the ones that are plus one attack other than Deepkin and the Wa appear to have been changed as well. I think it's Slanesh. Is there any Slanesh hanging on? Well, the Slanesh combo is different. It's two command abilities that make you attack and pilot. Yeah, yeah. Plus three times. You could do Lord of Bones and the the Vampire Lord one. So the White King and the Vampire Lord could could give you a plus one. Yeah, and then you could take the uh, the command trait that allows you to get to plus one attack on death rattle units as well. Yeah, if you uh, if you do a a wound, so yeah, you could then be hitting them up to plus three attacks. So, but then that's that's just clever play, I think, and and getting good synergies right, and it's maybe slightly different because you're having to pay the penalty of of fielding like a. A lot of these commander bullies don't have fully within, while a lot of the new ones do. I think that's mm. kind of the difference as well. Um, yeah, I suppose myself, um, the things I thought, well, I mean, one that's just a bit of a throwaway when I was thinking, even if it was just a line or something in the the core rules or in the general's handbook, just to mention that realms um, are, are optional. Just as a just an example. I'm not going to dwell on that one. Um, like they used to be. We all... Well, we always, well, we always add it. Them, like, uh, yeah. There isn't anything in the matched play rules that say that you are playing with realms. No. There is, there's, just a, there's just that really weird community pay, There's a community article. The same I thought yeah, that they would have. In the I thought it, they would have put in the FAQ the secondary missions. Yeah. Rather than you have to go yeah. find the community page. Yeah. 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 They've, still, they've so, not quite gone full bore on that yet. But I understand that we're waiting on the next General's handbook and the other thing I was thinking, which I'll, I won't dwell on either, was just I thought that the, the hag was... I'm not going to talk about getting a points change because I don't think points should be changed at this time. I think that sticking with the handbook's a good way of doing it. Yeah. But I thought they might have just said that witch brew's either an artifact or it takes a command point to use it. I just thought they'd do something. But again, I can understand why you don't want to tweak a war scroll mid-season as well. So I'm not... I'm not bitter in any way. It's just something that I thought might come. But again, like other other podcasts have probably more eloquently said, it was the expectation that's maybe at fault rather than what's been done. Because I think nothing, it's more... Sorry, on you go. Well, I'm just saying nothing's been broken. You know, we're still where we were. We've still got a great game. Um, just because we expected changes doesn't mean they should happen. I um, think the last two FAQs, yeah. like you say, were a lot harsher than what this one has maybe been as well yeah i mean i think it's I, I wasn't expecting it either i was thinking mid-january so it came a month earlier for me um but it's probably a good thing to come out at this time of year and to be honest i'm it gives me well it gives me an extra month of actually building and painting what i want to play for the next half of the the season knowing what yeah. um yeah. knowing what i'm going to be playing until june july at least so no to look at it might be that maybe they want to move towards using the FAQ and designers commentary to clarify how they intend the rules to be played like maybe let's lift the curtain on what is the the rules as intended yeah Uh, and maybe they're gonna just like maybe they intended hags to work how they are but they want 
to increase their points and they're waiting for the handbook or yeah. Grimgast, maybe this is their vision for Grimgast and they're going to uh, change it in the Allegiance section of the next handbook as well or or is it yeah. is is it more the problem with the is it a problem with the legions and the ga- like the legions and the gash and the, the night, night haunt like i think the f- the lore ruins it because the gash is the god of all death and i think uh, that's maybe I've, what they're don't i they're, don't see that i don't think that I, maybe i'm naive but i just don't think that they make rulings on competitive armies based on how they see the the lore shaping up but yeah, it's a funny one because well, my that's imagination... that's why Hammers of Sigmar is always the best, isn't it? That's always why they've gotten <laughs> better rules. They were the best in the last um, Stormcast battle tome. It's only in the new Stormcast battle tome that they were the best. Nobody really well, they never had Stormhorse abilities before. Yes. Well, they had chambers. Well, yeah, no, you had points before. Yeah, you had to pay yeah. stupid points for them before. And they never, they didn't do anything really for your army. Uh, I played Hollow Knights a couple of times. That was probably the best one. I think, uh, uh, I think that, in a way, the narrative is shaping it. Because if you think about the biggest things in the narrative over the last 12 months, we've had Marathi coming back and the daughters, and it's there in, in the story as it unfolds, and they are powerful. I think they're going to get some strong counter when we get the next stage, which will be maybe light and dark elves or whatever's going to come in, in the way of uh, of Malarian. And I think that the other side of it is the Soul Wars stuff. And, and having them strong on the table kind of lets us experience things and move along with the story. So one part of my imagination, maybe it's just where you you, you try and make logic out of uh, the situation you're in. And, and I put everything in order and, and I, I, I see it synergizing with the books I'm reading. So I enjoy it and, you know, we deal with it. So that's all for that one, I think. I don't think we want to dwell on it too much because... Um, we're all quite we happy, like we all like the game and uh, yeah I don't want to uh, I don't want to sound like a, a whiner, <laughs> so I, I did enjoy it and I do like it so we're going to go on to our, our next question if people don't mind and we'll maybe uh, we'll maybe uh, put this one to Liam, so um, this was coming from another one of our uh, listeners and supporters so could you talk us through Liam um, how would you go about killing a big character like Nagash? And bearing in mind this is coming from a pretty, a pretty new starter. Well, the first off with like Nagash, Alariel, we'll put them all in the same. So Alariel, Nagash, Archeon, uh, Marathi—they're all. Would you say the gods within the game? As much as it's gods versus humans, sort of almost. They are the four gods that actually exist. Well or emphasis of gods that exist in the game at the moment. Yeah. Three of them kind of share the same. So Alariel, Murathi, and Nagash share a more survivable ability. Archeon, in his current form, his book just didn't do him justice compared to what their books allowed them to do. They actually got a whole army with themselves rather than Archeon got two models, which wasn't an army, uh, which is probably his biggest thing. Uh, to the ever chosen idea if yeah. they just put him in a format, he can obviously be played in all these god forms, he's fine uh, so I'll ignore Archeon because he just doesn't He doesn't. he's not as survivable as the other three Maybe come back to Archeon though because I think we are still seeing quite a few lists that are like I think like you say yeah, the Slaanesh the book yeah, the Slaanesh book I think could fix him mm-hmm. uh, or if there was a Slaves book uh, idea because obviously with the new sh- uh, Underworlds uh, faction of the Chieftain team that obviously kind of 
hints maybe at uh, something will happen with Slaves to Darkness, even with the new Battle Force as well at Christmas, that kind of invites that they're going to get something, because why would you release a Battle Force for... A theory I had, if you look at some of the Battle Forces that they did last year, they like a couple of them did end up getting some love in the new year. Mm-hmm. So maybe it could uh, it could mean something for Ever Chosen. They've got the um, they've got the Dark Oath Shadespire band as well, don't they? But yeah, the point it, yeah. I was making about Archeon at the moment is that you're still seeing them teamed up with Nurgle as well. Like you're still seeing them with a Lord of Lights to make a minus one against shooting. Harbor I think he's yeah. I think that's the the plague touch list that I think. Uh, AD Max playing is obviously yeah. uh, Chaos Allegiance, rather, because obviously I think they butchered, they did destroy the list that Archeon was in, which was the Slave to Dark formation, uh, the Ever Chosen formations, which then they said couldn't longer be in a grand, uh, an, a God book, which was kind of idea of them to obviously just remove it of being a thing for now. Obviously, they've maybe got something down the line. Uh, Nagash, Alariel, and Nat Marathi all have. Strong magic. Nagash obviously have more access to magic. They all play really well in the realms. They all benefit their army to a, a lot. They all have a movement shenanigan available to them, even if they don't use them. They all have something in their book that allows them to uh, either move further or get around the board a lot quicker. Uh, is different, she doesn't heal but she has the ability to only take a certain amount of damage per turn uh, while Alariel and Nagash can go from 4 or 5 wounds back to full easily in a turn uh, or if they double turn you and you haven't killed them, they are back at full health and it's you're back to square one uh, that would be my first thing if you've got a plan in your head to take them out if you're building your list at list building stage you have to think that these three armies are the most uh, known armies for a big hero. Uh, very few of the Sylvaneff players I see playing lists don't have a Lariel in them now, just because of obviously her free summoning and her just she's better in the realms than what she was prior to realms existing. You're yeah. looking at killing them in a full. T- you you look to kill them in a turn. A Lariel and. Well, obviously, Marathi is different for that. That's why I'll take her out. So, Lariel and uh, Nagash, you try and kill in the full term. Most of the time, you can't get near them because obviously, folk normally bubble them or protect them as because it's a key piece. They're over a quarter of your points in your list, maybe even more. Uh, matters on how you buff them. Uh, they, they rely on your opponent not being able to put their entire army into that unit. Uh, so, if you have your unit army spread out, uh, that kind of mitigates the damage that they can do back to you. They can't just, like you say, if all your sh- if you had say three ballistas, if you had them all in a little p- a pool together with your Lord Ordinator, it's all they have to do. If you're a Lariel, you chuck in dryads in combat with it, and then they can't shoot. Uh, obviously, a Lariel anymore, and you're stuck shooting dryads that you're plus one to hit, minus one to hit, because obviously they're going to be taping back to a wood at some point or they'll have a spell on them as well that makes a minus one to hit again so you just you'll never get through them uh same with nagash he'll just chuck in grim gas or something into you or skeletons or black knights whatever uh, zombie dragon whatever he takes your fancy for him to protect himself with he'll 
uh, normally pass it on to something else. Uh, normally the strength, I'd say, is having a mixture between magic, shooting, and combat. I think you're better having a bit of everything. You definitely need a mortal wound output that's reliable, like eels, evocators, uh, other things that do mortals, so like uh, blades of well, uh, bloodletters, for example. Uh, if you know you're not playing in the realm of death, anything with Ren 2 or higher on them, they don't really like either. Uh, yeah, the, the reason thing. realm of death is because you can make them immune to rend, can't you, by giving them the ethereal spell. Similar immune to, to rend, or, or the other way is to actually make them immune to spells, so you oh, can't okay. get rid of them. Because there's two ways about it. If it's if Alariel was versed in Nagash, Alariel would just try and cast the I'm immune to spells, so that means you can't hand a duster. Yeah. And she'll just sit there and go, I'm immune to your hand of dust. Nagash doesn't really want to go in combat with it either because he's kind of... They both kind of flump. They have a low amount of attacks, but quite high or D6 damage on their attacks. Eladiel's, obviously, the higher wound she is, the beetle does more damage. But if the beetle's not versing units, it, it's on a four to hit. And if you can make yourself minus to hit, she just struggles. So Nagash, again, hates... 40-man units that are either minus one to hit for himself or minus to wound, if you have any access to that. There's a lot of armies, obviously, now that don't have access to debuffs. Uh, but obviously, if you do, just obviously try and get on a big unit that's either immune or battle shock, and you just tag him in combat and things like that. If, you're, if you can't kill him, hold him in is the way to do it. Because if he's going to have to spend a turn retreating, it means he's not going to get to do his combat or his shooting attack. Uh so normally, actually, it's more, if you're versing them, what's the mission? If it's a mission that they're necessary for, like hero missions, you're either going to have to take them out or stop them from getting the objective is more the thing. Uh, it's really hard to say, obviously, over a vocal rather than a physical diagram. Uh, like, example, I think Ballista is a perfect example of something that Nagash and Alariel and Marathi don't like. Uh, because they will just take the straight damage. Obviously, they they fluctuate on their damage if they're multiple shotting, but if you're lucky and you roll, say, three fives out of your four, and you're all of a sudden doing 13 attacks, uh, for example, they're going to struggle because they're going to have to take then eight uh, saves minus two, one damage. That's all right. That's... So then they're on a free up armor, so five, so they block a third. So they're going to take, what, five to six damage if they're unlucky? It can take them down either a table. They're, obviously, their wound table is so important to them because either it controls their movement or it controls their uh, damage output. If you can, like you say, get them locked down and they can't do a lot of damage to you, they're not going to do anything for the rest of the game because they either their bases are so big they struggle to move around once they're in that... That space they need to be. Mm. A lot of a bit better. Predictable jump. as well, aren't they? That's yeah. probably the main point I would make. If you know what the the mission is and you know which monster you're up against, then you can predict what they're going to do, what they want to do. So you, you do kind of need to yeah. plan that turn ahead, don't you? Like you say, kill them inside of one turn, but often that will mean take out the screen that's protecting them, win the priority yeah. into the next and then go into them, or even if they win the priority, then they need to bring that screen back, retreat, move out of the way. So it's all about just uh, predicting what they want to do and dictating the pace of the game. 
Mm-hmm. Very often against Sylvan F, you'll get the option of turn one. But when you verse Nagash, most of the time, he can't do half of his damage when he's at 24 inches apart from you, at least. Because if he's slower deployment, he's not going to just leave Nagash open. You're going to be able to control that a bit better, and you can then just give, you could, as much as you can give them turn one. If it's a mission where it's a hero mission, they kind of have to get points early to stop you catching up with them. But you also know by if they put units in the in the grave with that, or Sylvaneth put units in the the where the the woods or whatever they call them, uh, you know that they're going to obviously jump this model onto an objective and they're going to surround them. That's kind of what most armies do on hero missions: is they'll just put the gash onto the objective, then surround them with forty skeletons or thirty grimgasts or whatever your unit of choice is. Same with Sylvaneth. A lot of, so you're going to move. Alarial onto the objective in the middle of your woods. You're then going to summon 30. You're going to bring on your 30 dryads right around her if you want. Or you can do that anyway from uh, just moving on the board because you know you've got control of turn. You know where they're going to be. So you can kind of set up all your damage to either take them out but spread yourself so that you're not going to be locked. Your, your only damage output to kill them is going to be locked down by, like you say, an 80-point hero that's minus two to hit or something because of woods or a unit of dryads that they don't care because the dryads aren't winning them the mission in a hero mission. They just know that they can take them out. Mm-hmm. Also, if your army has an instant killing ability, that's your target. If you have something that can instant kill, Nagash has Hand of Dust, Alariel has her Talon. It's very uh, unoften it'll happen. She does have it. If it kicks in, that could be game. For as Dagger. After that's dagger. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the Lord of Skulls, whatever his guy is, the corn yeah, guy, yeah. Relmax, uh, yeah. Fate Weaver with that, Archeon, there's other White things. Gone Summoner. Gone Summoner. Uh, yeah. The White King. Uh, not the White Yeah, the White King has the yeah, blade the as well. The White King with the axe, yeah. yeah. There's all these things that can insta kill them. They will fear these models because, as much as it's random, no one wants to take that chance. I've had this happen in a game with mine when I played uh, at Six Nations with Nathan's army. My Neferata was charged by Frostart Phoenix. I only got two wounds through, but one of them was with a dagger. I rolled that dice six up. One of the, one of the hardest models, would you say, to kill in the game on its own? Yeah. It's, the Frostart yeah. on a two plus save. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was able to. Yeah. And then I was roll a six, took it off, and straight away you're like, Wow, that's that's going to cause some problems, and that's yeah. the sort of things that will. Uh, anything that can, because these models have low, like I said, low attacks, ne- negative to hit modifiers on them. Things that slow their movement down, they don't like it. Uh, again, yeah, even like, though they against... can all, even though they can all fly, they have such large bases to be able to retreat out of combat from you as well. Yeah. Um, they have to be able to clear your models that you've got around them and get three inches away with the back of the base. So... So, if you're playing, if you're playing against Deepkin, every turn, turn off fly. If you're playing with Deepkin, turn off fly. Have the chance of doing it. If you shut fly off, all of a sudden they're stuck behind that wall. Yeah. They can't just fly over their wall and take you on. Same with the, a lot of their units that are strong fly, like the draw, the dragon, the uh, Grimgasts, Spirit Hosts, Arcan. All these things just love to fly twenty inches across the board and hit you. Uh, but obviously, you turn off fly. They can't just jump over there their chaff wall that they made. Uh, so then they're going to have to walk, march up behind that four-inch moving skeleton unit. It's probably yeah. worth mentioning at this point as well that 
often you maybe don't even want to kill them. No. If you guys what I'm saying, if you can pin them down, that's normally what I would do. If I know I can't Just kill, kill them. the rest of the army. Yeah. If they're uh, such a high example, that's why Marathi is different. If you are able to turn one, snipe her, and take six wounds, like three wounds off her, do it. In my opinion, because that means she's not going to survive for as long in the game. No. Uh, if you have the chance to just take pip that wound off, and then that she could gets be it. a lot weaker as well, doesn't she? After a few yeah. wounds have come off her in a big form. Yeah. Well, that's the point. If she then takes three wounds, turn one, you're then turn two. She, well, turn one when she comes up, she's going to only have six wounds instead of twelve. Yeah. Uh, that's big, in my opinion. That is just massive amount of protection she all of a sudden has lost. She's lost the ability to survive for four player turns, would you say? Because you can obviously do it in combat with her. Yeah. The same idea with these people. They don't like fighting things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they can't kill. They don't like getting stuck against 40 skeletons or because, again, if the unit's immune to Battleshock or you have the ability to make it immune to Battleshock, they'll just then be tagged by it and then Next turn, they can't kill maybe what they wanted to kill. No. No, good. Well, hopefully that'll help folk out. And if there's uh, anything else you want to uh, hear about, anything like this or us to expand on, just give us a shout. Just for that. Uh, That's really useful. What you can also do if you want to know about beating the gash is just come and watch me play Liam at Tempest (laughs) if you meet and uh, just uh, record the game. Should just stream that game. That'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So our next question this evening is: um, What brushes do you use to paint, make and size? And should I get an airbrush? So, well, I'm I'm not one to ask about an airbrush because I've got one and it's been sat in my loft for three years, maybe, and I've still not got it out. I, I may, when we come to do our New Year's resolution show, maybe I'll commit to doing something with it next year. But um, uh, so I can't talk about airbrushes. Um, I reckon it'll probably make a big difference to how how I paint and how fast I can paint. But I'll let you guys talk about that. In terms of brushes, I I don't use that many different ones. I, I mean, I have a massive a massive bundle of brushes with an air bubble keeping them together. That are, I never seem to throw a brush away because once it gets too ragged, I trim it and use it as a dry brush. Um, but I tend to use my my favourite one um, that I is my go to. I think it's called a medium base coat brush from might be medium uh, from Games Workshop, which I love. I love that brush. It's so firm and got a really good point, but it holds a lot of paint. But the last few, I, I won a, a, a painting competition uh, at the Orkney Shetland in the county, and I got three artificer brushes. And I used one of those for the first time today, actually. And that was quite nice. But the last few models I've painted, I never use anything really apart from a a size 1, a size 0, or a double 0. I have some Series 7s, Bewinder and Newton, that I really like. But um, I've been using uh, some Games and Gear ones at the moment because I like the little metal holders. Um, They're like pens, but I have a bit of a pen thing. And uh, they seem to hold the tips really well. And um, I don't think they're a particularly special one. I don't know, they're blue. Uh, Signature Masterclass, it says on it, and Kalinsky. And they come in a little thing that looks like a dart, 
pouch, so I always know where they are, so I kind of just pick them out and I always paint with them, and I don't think I need anything. If I'm putting a wash on, I might get a bigger brush. Um, but yeah, that's me. Um, I'm not really snobby when it comes to brushes. Um, I would like to get to use an airbrush, but um, I, I don't really have the... I don't have the confidence and I don't have anybody I can ask to show me how to do it. So it's difficult. Um, yeah, it's when you get into it. I just yeah. recently done it myself and yeah. I was asking everybody for advice, but none of it really landed until you just get the brush in your hand and try. It's, yeah, it's, you know, uh, it's a physical. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my only experience is those old things that Citadel used to do, which was like hand flame. Oh, they were horrible. That, that yeah, you attached uh, to mm, kind of propellant. And they were terrible. Yeah, I used to use it for base coating. Um, so I'd prime and then I'd use that, and it was really fast, don't get me wrong, but uh, it wasn't a good experience to use that. So it's kind yeah, of the wrong can like two minutes yeah. in because it went cold and it was no longer spraying and dropped yeah. pressure. What about yourself, Scott? Yeah, so I've got um, a pack of Windsor and Newtons that I got, I think, three or four years ago for Christmas that are still going strong. They're um, like the Series 7 miniature yeah, brushes. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're really so they're, nice, aren't they? Oh, they're, they're excellent. So I had some, when I first got back at the hobby, I, I was had a couple of GW things, but also got Rose, what they called Rosemarine Co. Um, just because they're relatively cheap, but they seem to be reasonably well-received. And they, they were okay. They sort of did the job for a while. But when I eventually got the... The Windsor and Newtons, they're just the class above. Um, they're, they're, they're fantastic. They're not cheap. I think the pack of four you get online yeah. in a little box. They kind of, it's like a sort of rectangular coffin box type thing. Um, the wee flip lid, it's like 35, 40 quid for the four brushes. And I think it's like a two, a three, two, one, zero you get with that. Yeah. And I added in a double zero um, and maybe another one, a triple zero separately, which I fairly rarely use tint tend to stick to the bigger brushes in there yeah. um, along with the kind of, I'm like you have got a pot full of random brushes that I've gathered over the years and just looking at them the, the, the ones that um, I really like um, don't use them so, quite so much or so often, they're slightly bigger it's, it's the Citadel base brushes that have got yeah. a kind of um, angle to them yeah I think that's, that's so I've got some of those yeah so they're it's flat, like a chisel shaped yeah yeah they're flat with a sort of 30 degree cut almost yeah. um, I've got a large and an XL because I kind of like painting surfaces, but with a point almost. It's it's kind of weird. So you, you, I think you get a bit more control over it sometimes. And I really like them as a shape. Um, and as I've got, I've got an airbrush as well. I've, uh, I started off with a cheap special from Amazon that everyone seems to go for. Um, that if, if you don't go through Element Games, um, where you get the kind of compressor that uh, it's it's quite noisy. It kind of sh shudders around the floor when you use it, but it. <laughs> Um, it does the job, uh, and, I, and then I upgraded to a about two years ago to a um, H and S Ultra, so harder, harder and Steenbeck. They're Germans, um, and it's the Ultra, so it's their sort of basic airbrush. They do ones that are more expensive, um, and this was a, this was a, a big step up from the the kind of crappy Amazon one, um, which had a sort of it's a top loader, but it was kind of from the side, so it was never quite as it seemed. It seemed totally stupid to have it coming in from the side, but as a, as a gravity fed, you know, it's just like, why you not just come from the top? Who who, who designed this? <laughs> um, but the H and S Ultras was was much nicer, and I, you know, I'm not I'm not creating masterpieces. I'm 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 base coating and you know doing little bits here and there or little kind of 
shades on big models like the grit and clean ones and uh, I even used it on the plague bearers to be honest just kind of doing weird kind of shade um bits of dark green on them just to kind of break up the, the other green so my airbrush came from Lidl so <laughs> I can't imagine it's particularly high quality I mean their stuff's normally all right but I can't imagine it's um yeah well there's so much the top end from, the one I got was from Aldi I got, yeah. a, I got a brush, like an airbrush from Amazon, just like a cheap one. But I used the compressor that I got from Aldi. I think I got it for like thirty nine ninety nine or something. Ah, that's yeah. about how much so I pay. It, it, it does the job if, if you're just looking to speed up uh, base coat yeah. and yeah. get some nice transitions. Well, there's so much out stuff. there for the, like airbrushes and stuff because it's obviously used for um, nail, professional nail painting yeah. and things like that. Body yeah. art and stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that, designing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that. yeah, I've seen people doing. I, I think Master Chef, some guy had an airbrush out and was uh, was firing on some stuff. Yeah. That, that reminds me of the other sort of brushes is the is the makeup brushes that I think some of us have got now. Yes, um, I use them, and you know, they're they're perfect for dry brushing. They're sort of rounded. Ah, kind of yeah, the big headed powder brushes. Yeah, I've been yeah, told well, by my better half it is the eyeshadow. The big, ones, the big eyeshadow brushes. Um, they're, right. they're the best ones. I was like, well, what one's this? Because I just want this one. <laughs> I, I pitched a few from Gales. Um, I, actually, I actually bought a pack of makeup brushes maybe two Christmases ago. <laughs> and it was like, it came with like 30. And she's like, I'll, I'll never use all these. I'm like, well, I can help you out there. I can take a few of them. So uh, <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's kind of my range of brushes. Do you use that for like scenery or just for really big models or some of them? Yeah, just I think it needs a brush, so even like bases as well. Oh, and, um, bases and my boat, I use just yeah. the makeup brushes for the, the dry brush. Yeah. It's really good. So, the, so they're not all giant, massive, like what Nathan's saying. It's, it's not the giant, massive, powdery ones you're thinking, that you may be thinking of, but the, there are loads of the different sizes you get, and they've all got the kind of rounded, fuller heads. So I'm looking at sort of three or four here in my pot, and you know, there's quite small ones that you can. Um, you could use on individual sort of twenty-five mil bases if you wanted to, things like that. You know, and you, you, you're not going to catch paint on anything else. It was the Pro Painted podcast that kind of probably turned most of us yeah. it, wasn't it? They've yeah, they, yeah. He's got an article up on his website for the podcast recommending some brushes. Now, whether I don't know if it's down to our community or not, but the last time I followed that link, they were always out of stock. So, <laughs> but if you follow that link to at least see what type of brushes it is, I don't know if we could even direct people to that in the show notes or whatever but that would be the guide i would go to because they are night and day much better than the kind of standard dry brushes that you can buy for miniature painting well, right. they're, they're really they, don't, that much they don't seem to get they don't seem to get trashed by the dry brushing as quickly no and they're because of their design yeah yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> yeah even if even if they get wrecked you can just throw them away and you wouldn't even care they're really yeah. cheap the other guy that was sort of pushing them as well on was steve wren on on twitter he was because he does a lot of scenery stuff and he's very creative but he was he was mentioning that he'd used them for, I think even when he was doing his Lord to Change, he was talking about using them on the wings. Yeah, that's what he does, yeah. Yeah. So, that's mm. me. Yourself then, Nathan? Um, well, I've actually just went through a process of trying quite a few different brushes, um, and I've now found my new favourite brush, so... It's probably a good question for me. Um, so I was using Windsor Newton brushes for a while, uh, Series 7 ones, yeah. when I was like trying to improve my painting. Um, and I was just getting sick and tired. Like, the GW ones have some good ones in their range, but I was finding that a lot of them were just getting wrecked really easily, even when I 
bought the Masters brush soap, which is something everybody should get. Oh, yeah, definitely. Everybody should own that. Um, but the, the Windsor Newton Series 7 ones are great brushes. Everybody, much better painters than me swear by them. But for me, I've just under recommendation tried these Raphael 8404 brushes. The only reason that I was looking into alternatives was on Amazon. The Windsor Newton Series 7 brushes are astronomically expensive now. Yeah. Um, these ones I can get from a website uh, in the UK for like £7 a brush or something like that. Um, I did my entire Deepkin army with a size 2 brush. And yeah. that's because it was great for putting on the bases and the tip was kept so fine for the entire army. Like we're talking 30 thralls, 4 heroes and uh, 80 nails, and it's still in immaculate condition. Um, so really, really good. That's uh, Raphael 8404 brushes. And I think Elm, that these ones are good as well. I think that that you just said there about the Masters brush soap is a shout because yeah. a lot of people who are coming new to the hobby um, maybe don't don't realise just how you can restore a knackered yeah. brush. And I have a, a pack of it here, and uh, I, I swear by it. And you can take your favourite brush and a bit of warm water and this stuff. And I also have um, some brush conditioner. Um, it's like a gel that yep. you, I, I wash it I uh, I use the master stuff first and then I think the stuff I use is from Green Stuff World and you just sort of um, you put a little dab on your finger and you basically, once you've washed your brush you just bring it to a point with this gel um, and then it's it's like the brand new it's, it's amazing you can do the exact same with the brush soap it's a conditioner as well so you can yeah. do the exact same thing with the brush soap if you just wanted to get one product to try it but yeah. I would recommend that, clean the brush and then put some fresh soap on it, restore it to a point, and then let it uh, dry horizontally. That's why that brush yeah. holder you've got is best, so that nothing's going back into the ferrule. Um, yeah. br- like these brushes, will, if you do that, if you get a decent brush, couple, like a couple of quid more than you'd pay for GW, Master's Brush Soap, there's no reason why, if you're just casually painting, you should ever have to replace a brush inside of a year, maybe longer. Well, that's grand. What about yourself, then, Liam? Oh, sorry, Nathan, you did mention their uh, Element Games brushes as well. Oh, yeah. Um, They're the ones just Element's own. I think they don't number them, but in my experience, they're like a size 2, size 1, size 0. I think they're called Regiment uh, Stubby Detail, which is like their size 0, and then the Regiment's like a size 2. I can't remember what the other one's called, but they're really high quality. They're the exact same uh, sort of uh, sable brushes is that what they're called that yeah that kolinsky kolinsky sable yeah and they're a lot cheaper than the windsor newton cd7 like the windsor newton brushes are great i just can't find them cheap anywhere right no. now they're they're so, up to like 15 quid a brush at the moment no there's yeah. the, there is a website because i was looking the other day thinking oh do i need to replace mine or not and there is an artist's uh i'll, 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 I'll google around it in a second jackson's but... art because that's where i got these yeah ones. that's no, where i used to not, get mine jackson's not, uh, it wasn't. It was something else. But they were, it, the the box set of four was at like thirty five quid. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's about that price for brushes. I mean, yes. To be honest, for a good brush, you do pay between eight and ten quid a brush. Um, these games and gears ones, I think they're between thirty and forty quid for three. So I got a set um, of them on uh, Kickstarter a few years ago. This was pre Windsor when I 
pre-me buying Windsor and Newtons. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I really like the the stubby handle um, and the kind of like you say the pen design where you yeah. sort of close the lid over it. Um, but I and I think I need to get a bit. Uh, well, this is again me not using a brush soap back in those days. But they lost the point really quickly. Um, ah, these have been good. I sort of went off them, but I think with a bit more TLC, um, I really did like the sort of thicker grip. If you know what I mean. Yeah, somebody else mentioned that to me about them. Um, but I don't know whether or not that was when they first came out because I think they have come on quite a while. Yeah. Well, this was probably four or five years ago. Yeah, but well, I've not had any problems with them yet. Um, but I don't know what the standards are. As say, this one just says on it, signature masterclass, and it's yeah. blue. I can't imagine it's anything particularly one, expensive. One last one I want to mention is the Games Workshop shade brush. See their medium shade brush? I've yeah. had this brush now for over two years. And I tend to not... I don't know if it's just me with bad habits, but I, I don't use the brush that I'm painting for washes, if I can avoid no, it. I because don't, I find no. they go right back into the ferrule and yeah. they'll just wreck your brush. But you this one with a big head, don't you? Yeah, but, but it's absolutely wrecked. I'm looking at it and it's absolutely wrecked. But it, I've I've not found anything that can hold like loads of wash or not a lot of wash yeah. in shades and stuff. So yeah, I'd recommend that brush as well. Did anyone try or go in on the the new Element Games uh, one? Artist, oh, the Artist Opus one. They do yeah. look good though. They do um, look good. Interesting to see how they compared with, with. They were expensive, weren't they? Everyone well, they've gone like, in. I looked at them on Kickstarter. Yeah, I think they're going in for Windsor and Newton, you know, level of quality. Uh, whether they've reached it, I don't know. But mm. it was, you know, as the guys pushing them are obviously, well, Byron and Co are obviously painter painters. So they're obviously trying to get on that market. Well, they, know the, they know the stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know anybody who's actually used them. So I don't know how actual. How the good they are. It's a bit of chatter on Twitter because Mark Wildman put up a tweet. I don't know if you guys saw it last day or two asking about them, and a few folk had uh-huh. chopped their opinions in positively and negatively. So yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I had a a friend who who was on Twitter, and he was down. He he lived down in Bristol, I think, and um, he he got an extra set. I think he must have got two sets, and he was trying to offload them recently. And I considered it, but um. He never responded to my tweet, and it's probably for the best. <laughs> so I've got way too many brushes and things. I really don't need any more. Well, and what about yourself, Liam? Have you got anything that you're keen on? I kind of just use whatever is going. Like you say, I've got, I've got like a an old mug that is just full of brushes. Like right now, I can see about thirty in it. Obviously, it's a mixture between makeup brushes and that as well. Makeup brushes, I just go home bargains, pick up. A couple of small ones, a couple of big ones. Uh, I've only had a problem with one that had bristles coming out, but all the rest have been absolutely perfect for dry brushing. Uh, Rosemary Co. I used them a quite a while when I was doing my Malifaux models a couple of years ago. A mate of mine was using them. Again, I think it was a size one, two, and a three. I used a three, obviously, as a wash brush back then. Uh, as Nathan says, yeah, the GW wash brush is probably one of the best wash brushes that's been. I don't think I have one of them, actually. I might have to go shopping. Yeah, I do. It's good. They're base brushes as well. Large, if, when I was doing, like, large patches skin, like when I did my Nurgle, my Nurgle was all airbrushed. Literally, the whole, every single model was airbrushed. Just the metals was done by hand, but, which I just used a large base brush for. And just kind of, it's almost dabbing it on. If you want, like, like obviously, yeah. I was like a, 
a clumpy, rot, like uh, rusted effect. It was kind of just clumped on. Always use Lamium or a medium of some sort with my paints. Always kind of one part to four paint if I'm wanting it to be kind of like obviously like a smooth. I, I don't do coats. I literally pretty much do most of my paints as a one coat. I don't do layers of the same color often. Uh, normally I do like a hard first color and then a wash and then I'll highlight or uh, that with a lighter color or a layer with a higher, uh, lighter color. So do you, use often... a, do you use a palette then if you're uh, if you're working with a Lamium medium? I mean, I'm uh, still... I've, I... I use like, I've got like, uh, can like how you get from takeaways, you can use to get the little pot, small soy pots where yeah. it's like a plastic tub and then a lid. I use yeah. the lid. I've got like about three or four of them kicking about that just have a lot of, uh, like obviously just m- my colors on it, flip it. Um, I'm switching color. Yeah. uh, I also use like so like your little ironing fillers for water. When I'm making like a batch of my wash that I used to use on my Stormcast, it's like literally a pot of sepia, a pot of black wash. I can't remember what it's called now. Non oil, and then a pot of lamium medium, and mix them together, and then like obviously pour it into like a small bottle or like a larger empty terrain texture bottle or something mix the three of them together and that's normally that's the wash i use on all my stormcast army it was just literally silver base so gets a lamb it gets a xenophil highlight with two cans so gray halfords so, all over so go Again, ahead and explain that about, to people who've not not been educated so with xenophil highlight i i normally just do it as the i do i do it as a one stage like a lot of people do it as a free so you do a free stage would be a black all over uh at like a 45 degree angle to the model you would do then like a gray or like a, at the facial the facial side you would yeah. do like a like a halfords so there's three primers i use and that's chaos it's the all our halfords halfords black primer halfords gray primer halfords white primer literally the best cans i've used ever yeah, yeah. gw1 the gw1 stink, is terrible i it can does get away outside I can get uh, see I, I i get away with doing it in in the house and I normally just wander to a room nobody's in. <laughs> the wife keeps me shouting at me because she finds primer yeah, all over the, the place. G- I think the GW7, <laughs> I, no I, have this, I have the Zandri dust uh, sprayed because it's easier for doing my bases when I'm doing desert. I think that smells a lot stronger than... I can't, that, I've got some of the Halford stuff and I used it for I used it for a recent... I think I was painting a Boba Fett, actually. I'd built a Boba Fett, and I sprayed him in that, and I thought, Jesus, I can't spray this in the house. And I had to go and spray it out in the garage, and that's that's something for me. But there you go. But Normally what I do is I, t- I take out my front door, like their magnetizer, yeah. blue tactile tray, spray them, they come back in, I turn the, the air vent in the bathroom, open the bathroom window, and leave them in there for five half an hour. Yeah. It's normally fine. Uh Obviously, really your weather good... up your way, it'd be a bit more of a damp air a as well. Humid, yeah. Yeah. I suppose that just for people who are interested, if you go on YouTube, um, you can go on uh, Vincent Venturella's. Uh, I can't remember what his 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 um, YouTube channel's called, but he obviously does the the War on Weekly, weekly isn't it? But if you it's if you name. search, yeah, name? Vince yeah. Venturella. If you search as anything highlighting, because I was intrigued after you'd mentioned it to me on a ride home from a tournament once. Um, and he's got some pretty good, uh, pretty good tutorial videos on there, and they're not too long either. So yeah. he's got a new video that I recently watched as well. So the, like Zenithal highlights were 
originally sold to people as like a way to up your game when it comes to painting because it allows you to like focus the highlights better. Um, but it saves you a lot of time if you just want to paint an army quick as well. So I'd definitely yeah. look into it. He's got a new video where it was how to paint an army. I think he paints a whole army inside of a week or inside of a fortnight or something to a <laughs> high quality. But <laughs> Not high quality, a, but yeah. He does it to a decent quality. I would say it's a high quality in our regards. Yeah. Um, and he, he just cuts a lot of corners by thinning his paints really, really thin and just yeah. using the zenithal highlight to naturally highlight from the one coat of paint that he's putting on. Yeah. So I would definitely look into you know, that. You would have noticed that quite a lot of my Nurgle army, because like the skin was a lot darker at the bottom sort of sides of like the ground clean on that. And again, that was just that was just from two sprays. That was kind of like a uh, they got yeah. sprayed a flesh color, then a kiss left over the top, washed all over with a wash. Then I did the pink uh, like burst sprays at the 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 sores and that, so they all looked like pink and. And put blood on it. It was kind of. You you airbrush, don't you, Liam? Like yeah, I've got an airbrush. I, again, yeah. Amazon just cheap. I every time a brush breaks, an airbrush gets fucked. Well, uh, get wrecked. I normally just uh, buy another twenty quid one off Amazon. I just use it for base coating or qu- uh, quick transitions, like Nathan said, like uh, doing a, a, a two tone membrane or something on a wing. I would do it. Uh, same with like uh, plates on armor and that. If you're wanting to have like a two tone. You could kind of like spray at the bottom of one color and spray at the top with a lighter version, and then just transition a layer. Or wash on it. Then. You could wash over it, or you could you could do like a a layer, a thin like you say a thin down layer of paint, and it would kind of transition them together, and then hi- edge highlight, and it would do the same. So do you, uh, for you guys who use the airbrushes, and do you uh, do you do you use like GW paints. I mean, we're not talking yeah. about what paints we use here, but yeah. do you? I take it you have to thin them down and stuff, or do you buy the airbrush versions? I cheaply do. Uh, you can do it with. Where is the bottle? I can tell you. It's in my house somewhere. Uh, it's a, actually it's a Mister Muscle window cleaner. Uh, I work uh, for a company that sells cleaning products, so I kind of know what's in a lot of them. And this product actually doesn't break down paint. Uh, when it obviously goes to the surface, because obviously it's for like shower surfaces, and that it would take off the chrome. Obviously, if it was, uh, it's got. A, it doesn't obviously have that residue breakdown of breaking down acrylic paints as much. And okay. I just use that with a part. I use like that, like so. I've got like a bottle, literally a five hundred ml bottle of water. I've emptied it, well, drank it, recycling the old bottle, you know. And then, yeah, there you go. Like, <laughs> save the planet. Literally, a, literally about a, like a sixth of the bottle. I put the window cleaner stuff in, and then fill the rest of water. And I just use that, and yeah. that's worked for me from like as a brush, well, an airbrush cleaner. And I also use it as a uh, like a thinner, a diluter, yeah, a thinner. And yeah. it because it's it works. Uh, Good tip, there, I've I've now and again accidentally left. Like if I've had a late night of airbrushing, I'll end up leaving that bit of paint <laughs> actually in it. So again, I've just wrecked the brush because you come back and obviously the the. That uh, that window cleaner split from the paint, so obviously it's just then there's like a layer of hard paint at the bottom of the airbrush. But I've done that a couple of times. But uh, yeah, I use that. I'm also a person that's never used a varnish. I've never varnished a model ever. Me either. Uh, but I'm, gonna I'm not. Start. I'm not. I don't. Th- I don't also think I'm to that painting level that I think that my painting is good enough to 
save it for life. You know what I mean? Like protect it. I I have the fear. I've had too much stories of a white it coming out white. Oh yeah. A cloud yeah, effect. Yeah, I've heard it's that more of a thing more. for metal models too, wasn't it? It's yeah. I had it on a lot of my bad. plastic ones, but I think it was just the humidity outside, and I've never yeah, sprayed on it. You've got such a bad since. humidity up yours, your way. That's a problem. Yeah, I've used I've used a, a brush on varnish from Vallejo. I use that on like bases if I'm doing like a water, or like when I did my lava, I used that over it to have give it like that like icky glow sort of uh, shiny glow sort of effect. But yeah, brushes. I kind of just use whatever comes out with the pot. Uh, I've found. Here's another tip. Use a really bad, banged-up brush if you're using the typhus corrosion paint. Because I actually think it eats the brush. It really mm. does. Like I, I, You put it in, use it a couple of times, and it comes out, and there's no bristles. I, I've done that a couple of times where it's now just... Yeah, you don't want to lick that brush, do you? <laughs> uh, but yeah, because I've done that. I did. Uh, maybe I should, yeah. Uh, <laughs> clean out the, the rot in me. Uh, but no, it definitely, that's that's a couple of the texture paints. I just use like a scalpel. Like a lot of folk I've heard do use like a, a bad old brush for them. I just find that Rex, yeah. I use normally, I normally use a Rex brush if I was doing base and that. But now I've just switched to scalpel and mm. using like a mold, uh, molding scalpel and just use that to scrape it on. Okay. I've sent you a link uh, in our, obviously our messenger group. Uh, I would actually like you to link that. I news this, and I've used it since I saw Amy Snugs on Twitter news it. It's actually a, it's a pen, but obviously it's like obviously it's actual painting in it, uh-huh. and it's a marker pen. And I use that to rim all my bases, and oh, all right. it literally cuts it down. Like I think you've seen me before, like in the chats, go, oh, I'm going to start doing base rimming and half an hour later i've done 100 bases mm-hmm. just because because of the angle you do it you just hold on to the model or whatever and then just whip around that's at uh-huh. once it takes one coat and that does it as well and you just see i was looking at those gundam pens recently um and mm-hmm. that's the same isn't it it's proper paint that is in a is marker that, and you, really you basically ones, is it? yeah well the the you you're in effect coloring in the model rather than applying it with a brush using a marker yeah. And it's almost like a sharpie marker, but it's paint in there. It's bizarre stuff. A lot, a lot but, of folk used to use the Uniball versions that used to have. It was like a paint pen again. Been yeah. used it for like where wave serpents. Remember how they have like the gaps? They would use it to blacken the gaps. So obviously it was fine and well done. It was just a perfect line. There was no brush mm-hmm. stroke or like getting on the sides. It would give you that perfect feed. So yeah. if you had like grooves and anything, there's not as much now. Obviously in our game, there's not a lot of grooves because it's high fantasy there's not a lot of mechanical industrial look but if you did like the ko boat for example you could almost like at the gaps you could if you wanted to blacken it or you could get like a brown to give you that like rusted effect or uh, corrosion effect it would look quite cool well i've always used either a uniball um 0.05 or a mitsubishi um, with archival ink to do eyeballs just because mm-hmm. there's no point Using yeah, there's a brush. No point in that. And so I can't remember the, the last time I did an eyeball. No. Well, I, I tend to put, if I am doing them, the last few things, I've been doing death for the last couple of years, but when I, and you don't really need them, but I'd never use white for uh, like for the, the white of the eye. I'd use a bleach bone and then just a dot from a, an archival ink pen. And um, yeah, it's, it's far faster, far less messing about, and it's I've... just the right size. I've also just used one of these pens for the last two years. 
of doing models, basin, rim, uh, rimming bases, which I bet is also a lot less black you would use than you would if you're using paint. So and when the... you do the painting, you also have to do two layers because obviously it always just you get a brush stroke. There's no brush stroke with this either. It's just perfect. Mm. You could probably get a brown if you wanted to do brown edging or purple, whatever color you like to do. But yeah, so for those people that haven't got access to the the show notes or if I've been a total idiot and not put it on properly it's a uniball posca black 5m posca marker with medium bullet dip but if you put uniball posca marker into yeah, amazon up, you'll yeah. get a, a big list of those so oh, that's a good show nice tip there so it also speeds up if either of you i've honestly i've got two sitting here if anyone wants to me to send them one to try honestly it is the best product i've ever because obviously i'm guessing your way to do a a lot of uh, room in yourself there, Stu. The <laughs> army you've got. Uh, honestly, yeah. I could send you one up and you could try it. It is literally right. day and night quicker. Uh, yeah, probably than be good. Whatever paint would be. Yeah, definitely. I'm just going with black rims on these. So, yeah, yeah. anything that can speed it up because you have to go around, then you have to go around a second time because it's not even. Yeah, um, that's the point. So, yeah, yeah you, you get brush strokes of that. This you don't. You kind of just, it's obviously because it, like it's a pump pen. So, obviously, if you pop pop the the uh the tip down obviously more paint will go into it but you kind of like dab it off if obviously there's too much and you just i seriously just one one circle of a base and it's done obviously bigger bases you may be doing parts if it's like nagash i kind of had to turn them a couple of times to do it but you can with like 32 mil bases i've seen me just circle them and i'm Definitely done sounds like it'll be a shout for you Stu. you don't want yeah. to sicken yourself of the rimming before our game <laughs> Tempest <laughs> gives uh, them good practice. <laughs> I've got 170 of the buggers to do, oh, so right. yeah, that would be nice. You'll love it. That'll be a Christmas <laughs> present. There you go. <laughs> Thank you very much. No, I'll look forward to it. Okay, so uh, hopefully that'll help those folk who we don't normally talk about hobby stuff. So if people like that, let us know. But no, by no means the the experts in that, and there are hobby focused podcasts but if you've got any questions happy to tell you what we do okay the next one's another tournament one and it's another person who's pretty new to things so this person wants to start going to tournaments but struggles to get through 2000 point games in less than three hours um have we got any advice uh, i'd imagine that um it's very nice, Scott. You didn't mention your name, obviously. <laughs> you're, you're I, was wait, I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know. So, um, I don't know. Why, why don't we start with you first, Scott? My friend sent that in for me. <laughs> what a friend. So, so, yeah, what's the question? <laughs> <laughs> so, this person's Obviously not not been to done. First thing I'd say is, um, well, don't defense. don't let that stop you. No. Maybe choose something that you're you're reducing your model count a little bit so that you're comfortable. But but don't be looking for an excuse not to go to an event because no, people absolutely. are friendly and people will help you. Um, so if you're not at the right speed, don't stress about it. It's the first thing to say, oh, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, this person he wants to go to tournaments, but they're obviously practicing with 2000 point games and they're not getting through them in three hours, but I'd imagine, well, reading between the lines, it's mates who are learning to play here. Um, 
and maybe it takes them that long but they're probably talking through a lot of rules as well and things like that yeah um so is there any any things that you use or any uh tips or things that you do that allow you to get through things quicker yeah i mean yeah so you guys give me jip for not getting games done a lot and i don't know if that's strictly true but we'll see. anyway I'll, I'll rise above it um and what Simple things you can do, obviously, and it's probably all common sense, maybe he's doing it already, is um, I, especially when I was playing the Flesh Eater Army, I had three or four photocopied sheets just with those war scrolls on it. So you're not flicking through your book or, or, or even the app. The app's a pain in the backside for that, I think, and people maybe shouldn't rely on electronic stuff just yet if you want to be really quick. There's nothing quicker than just looking down at two pages of war scrolls you've got on your in front of you. To be honest, um, with the the new war scroll cards, that's that's what I've used for the Nurgle army, and that's great. You can even just take the three or four or five, six cards that is in your your army, so you, you haven't got the the full pack in front of you. You know, like that that saves you a few seconds from flicking through the same ones. Um, tokens obviously are are very useful. Everyone seem you know you should really be using tokens for for tournaments, um, even for warm, even for games in the house. It's there's so many effects and things out there you want to be. Um, quickly understanding what's on the table where, so you, you and your opponent can react to it. Um, and daffy things like, you know, it doesn't need to be an army of of bone split or you know units of forty skeletons to generate a lot of dice. You, you can generate, you know, moderate amount of dice even with anything. A unit of thirty plague bearers, you, you give it plus one attack. Suddenly, you know, you're, there's sixty attacks um, if they're all in. So, it, lots of things can generate lots of dice. So, you know. When your opponent's doing something, you can be sitting, gathering your dice. I tend to do this a lot into you know bunches of five, so I can quickly, as he's as he's rolling his attacks onto me, I can be gathering five, ten, fifteen into my hand, ready for him to say right, twelve saves required. So that very quickly, you know, I can drop three dice and off I go. So you know these little things can can speed you up. Um, there's a lot of other ways. You know, the, the other guys can can talk more about it, but you know, obviously knowing the missions and things like that off, by heart helps or you know, that, that that's that's where i tend to fall down i think is is, is game uh game time experience and guys like liam and nathan play a lot more than me and probably you as well Stuart. um but i'll, I'll anyway I'll, I'll hand the bat on over these guys can probably add, add some more things to that as well okay so carrying on around there uh what about yourself nathan um the one thing that i've tended to start to do now and always have done it but I now don't rely on it as much as a cheat sheet. So if you are going to be getting a practice game, this is at least what I do now if I'm taking a new list. Even if it's an army that I'm familiar with, I'll write a cheat sheet because it gets you into thinking. It's almost like study before an exam in a way. So if you consider it like writing notes, start from the deployment. What do you want to achieve? What rules do you have for deployment? Hero phase. If everything goes well, what are you looking to do in your hero phase? What is at the start of the hero phase? What is after? Um, then you, your movement phase, what are the move characteristics of your units? What do you normally want to move first where possible? Like when you get to a game, all these things might be different, but just writing them down, at least for me, tends to help me remember and memorize the rules. Because anything that you can not have to search through your war scrolls for is going to save time. Um, so that that's probably the, the biggest thing that I do. I'd, I'd write down a cheat sheet, everything that I do in every phase, and just try and memorize it. 
um, when I go to tournaments now, my war scrolls are for my opponent's reference. I very rarely need to use them myself. Um, all those things. The the dice counting thing as well is one thing that I, I do. I, I count into blocks of five or blocks of ten so that uh, I can quickly grab dice. Playing at tournaments, that'll help you play faster. Nobody's going to be offended if you come to a tournament and you're maybe needing to ask a few more questions or take a bit more time. But I'm playing sure. in a tournament is yeah. going to help you play faster, guaranteed. Um, a lot A lot faster than you will playing practice games where you play in a more relaxed environment, yep. putting yourself on that clock, you'll you'll learn, you'll pick up uh, hints and tips from playing other people as well. So that that's what I would advise. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Um, you you do focus a lot on the game and in a tournament. I mean, it's not to say that it's informal and standoffish because between games uh, over lunch and if it's a two-day of the saturday evening that's where the socializing comes in and if you've played somebody game one in the morning nine times out of ten if you've never been to a tournament before you sat with that person over lunch getting to know them getting to know the mates talking about the game and their friends games how they went on and even if you go to an event and you don't know anybody there you'll know one person by lunchtime because you'll have played them and you know it, it, it all flows, so so yeah, I'd, I'd encourage people to to try it out. What about yourself? What about yourself, Liam? Uh, so, first question for me would be: Is what army is this person playing? Do we know that information or no? No, no. This is just just totally blind. If it was me, I would be aiming for an army. If I hadn't even chosen an army yet, and I was going to play competitive. Or not competitive, but at tournaments, would we say that's the problem? It's the problem is when you're looking at two things: do you want to play a t- tournament, Harvey, or competitive? You just want to play a tournament, get that social, have fun with your friends. The best way to start would be is taking a very an army that is very easy to play, that doesn't have, probably many abilities to measure out and check. Minimal war scrolls. Quite a lot of us. Uh, Nathan be example. Nathan's last army had four war schools, five? Six if you include the ship. <laughs> but yeah, I had uh, one battle line, one version of eels, uh, three different heroes, the comet, the heart renders, and the ship. I suppose that's what about seven. the one before that? The dragons? The, the dragons? dragons? Uh, two, five? three, four, five, six. Would you say six is the... Is the is the number that you kind of if that's you should be able to as hard you should be able to remember almost what those six yeah you kind of do remember them yeah and it uh, also makes it easier for reference in the middle of the game if you don't have to sort through as much if you're playing say in a stormcast army that has one of five heroes that are all different free battle line that are all different and another three units for example that's like eleven units you kind of have to try and remember this many things the same with mixed order and all these armies that have heaps of units again example uh, pl- uh a lot of the armies that i've played in the last while have like six or seven more schools at most in the army just because it's easier for my own not remembering my own abilities but as much as it is like you say create a cheat sheet read it like a bible like question yourself almost as like you say when you're practicing your exams you're like that is cover the answer and then you go they hit on freeze is freeze they have a one inch reach they have a this 
what does this unit move, such and things. All these things that you can try and make yourself remember and uh, pick up. It's a memory game at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's what you can remember. Again, look at the pack before you go. If the missions are, if obviously if realm rules are in play, slightly have a look at them. Obviously, I'd, I don't expect anyone, even I, I'm not at the level of remembering everything from the realms. Uh, off by heart. I can remember obviously the things that are key because they benefit my army a lot more than uh, what some other random thing would. Uh, you'd be looking at then what missions are in play. If only one, if only say the new generals handbook 18, 2018, so the just the, the new six missions were in. You know you've only got six missions to play, and say it was a free game tournament. You could you can kind of try and remember what those six missions kind of are. Their deployment zones or things like that. Again, you'll pick these things up, because obviously most of the tournaments kind of play with the same pack. You'll obviously start playing with the same things. Again, if an event releases prior to the event, what uh, missions they're playing, that you should hopefully know what the mission is before going to the table. And again, maybe have that quick discussion with your opponent on how it's, how it's scored, just in case obviously they're new as well and they don't know. You would never, like you say, want to out uh, uh, shoot, or was it called sniping sort of thing? Of uh, see, obviously catching them out on something that they should know, or you'd be obviously a great sportsman to have that conversation of how you score and sort of thing. But also try not make you talk about the free hours game and try not make the start of the game deployment that take about forty minutes. If you can try and cut cut that down, kind of have. Example, like I would say, Beast Call Raider is an example of an army. You could have like 12 or 30 models in the army. And it's a great learn of the art, the game. Because as much as your army is important to learn, it's more the missions that will be the key to learning. Because again, if you're only having a practice, a game once every couple of months, you're not going to get through all 18 missions that we play with at the moment. Or all, as I worked out, it was like 35 results of a realm. Because obviously there's five results in every realm that does something different and then this the seven realms so there's 35 different outcomes and then playing that 35 outcomes in the 18 missions obviously it's a lot of games to know how what you're going to do every every turn sort of thing and also like you say what scott was saying play ahead have your dice ready like example we me and nathan laughed before that you would only need like 13 dice for his dragon army because that's the most dice you'll ever roll at one point for uh, an attack i only took 13 with me yeah, you know, I mean, that's, that's an easy uh, fix there. Is if you have a, a dice, an army with low dice amount as well, like single attacks, a lot, like big attacks, small amount of dice, don't be taking 200 Plague Monks. Uh, trays. Trays are another thing. So if you do have like a unit of 40 guys, have them in trays of any sort. Element Games do them. Uh, Guardian Dark Fantastic Mills does them. Uh, there's other companies, Counterattack Bases. There's many companies that do trays for your hold your models on so it's easier and quicker to move have your army kind of set out ready to go like on a tray or something before the game starts that's again that cuts down so much time rather than if you were just starting a game picking each unit out of your tray while you try and deploy sort of thing or out your box you know what i mean like yeah. one uh, 30 guys and you're picking one out at a time setting them up that's obviously just gonna take time out of your actual game uh Again, just not uh, not that I'd say play fast, but remember if it's just a game, like 
if you're, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make more mistakes if you rush than if you have a think. Like, like you say, in your hero phase, if you have nothing to do in your hero phase, take the five minutes that, I've, that your opponent's going to take in their hero phase, just to take the five minutes to think what you're going to do this turn, what your objective of the, like is, rather than rushing yourself, thinking that oh, there's only this much time. Also, if it really is, this is the most important thing. This It's a two-way street. You're, if a free hour, if a game's taking three hours, it's not just your fault. You can't be blamed for just a game taking three hours for two thousand. That also falls onto your opponent. As much as you, they may go, it's not my fault. It's like, well, you're both. Both players are always causing something. If you could prove that you've only taken forty minutes of a game, then by all means, uh, your opponent could say, by all means, it's, it's obviously there is an issue. You not finishing a game in time. But as much as it would fall down on your opponent as well, like I quite often, if I'm playing with Nathan or playing with Stu and that, if he's setting up a unit, I'll be like, you want to handle those models coming to this side of the table, man? I can easily take them over the table sort of thing. There's no always forcing your opponent. if Liam offers to move your models. <laughs> always <laughs> decline. It's a trap. He breaks your models, doesn't he? <laughs> breaks your models and morale. <laughs> but that's an example there. That's a speed process of yeah. saving time rather than your opponent helping your opponent measure out nine inches rather than watching them do it you're not doing anything else as much as it is you're not doing anything else watching them you're the longer they take to do something the longer you're losing out of a game as much as it is again i like i said i wouldn't want to go to a tournament play five games and each game only lasted two turns so i'm like i'm missing so much of a game just by either of me not being helpful to my opponent of offering that just same with it as well if you're going yeah. to the club or to the shop for a game just after work or maybe you've been busy doing something else, you're, you've probably got distractions or there might be other distractions, people coming up asking you questions about the game, blah, blah, blah. There's probably other factors to increasing the time of your game when you're at a tournament and you're away for the weekend and all you're thinking about really is Warhammer and catching up with your mates. Mm-hmm. You, you probably aren't going to be as distracted and you, you might play a bit faster. So... Oh, so, yeah, things just to it's, not worry about it. Yeah, no. The other thing would be is if if you've got, if your opponents like I try and help as well when this happens, like you pay attention to what your opponents rolling for their dice. So if your opponents rolling a hundred dice and they're trying to pick up the misses and that, you're just like, like literally either point them out or pull them to the side, sort of thing. Like I offer that. I don't obviously just automatically do it because some people don't like you doing it. But they like you say, the longer they take to do it. The less of a game they're having as much as I am. If my opponent always touch Stu's dice. <laughs> he loves people yeah. touching his dice. He loves his yeah. dice getting touched. Yeah. But it's I things like that. Like, yeah. It's things like that as well. Like always keep yourself in the game as well. Don't like you see a lot as well, like folk going, Oh, I've lost this game. Turn one because something happened. Be like, the game isn't over until the fat lady sings, if we're allowed to say that things nowadays. All this. Uh, <laughs> no, you're not allowed to say that. Change it. No. Lady slash man slash the uh, person uh, sings loudly, you know. Yeah. You know, all this down, Scott. I know that Liam was talking quite fast there, but did you get it all? Are you going to just I get got, it when you listen back? I got the bit where he said, it's not your fault. It's your opponent's fault. If you don't call your opponent, like if you were deploying against someone and you're like, I've done it before. I've looked at my phone and went, we've started deploying at this time. Or you're, the clocks are started and you're like, you shake the hand sort of thing. Yeah. Good luck in that. And obviously you start deploying. 
and you realize like your army is like a two drop a one drop army you've deployed and you and you will you'll just look at the time and go how have 20 minutes went past when i finished five minutes ago yeah, like that's what your opponent is then taking 50 minutes more to deploy their entire army when they don't have to react to anything at that point they're just deploying their army like they're not reacting to you turn about sort of thing uh and things like that if then they go you go i've you go you have turn one and they'll you'll look at the timer again like you say that's that's 20 minutes of the game gone to deployment and then you're like you look at the time and you go all right so we're just going into charging and there's now that's 40 minutes gone that, that's a long time to hero phase and movement. It's all these things. Again, you don't want to time your opponent, but I would then go look at the end of the turn and go, you've just taken half an hour for your turn. So we've lost 50 minutes just on your one turn and deployment. You'd be like, you'd look then, take your turn. If, say, only 10 minutes open pass, you'd be like, I, you're taking maybe a bit longer. You, that person is taking longer to do They've taken 40, like, they've taken, well, you say, you take their first turn as 20 minutes and they took 50 minutes extra deploy. They've taken 35 minutes to deploy their army, knowing where you are completely and do their first turn. That's quite a lot of time. And again, if that's no, if that's no combats and no shooting or anything, that's quite a long time to, again, a lot of armies don't get in combat turn one, but you still look at it and you're like, that's quite a long, you got yeah. its point. You don't, you don't, again, a lot of people, like you say, if it was their first event, might not feel confident in doing that, but. If that was your second game and you're like, again, you're looking at it and you're going, well, like that's why Scott will put on his sheet. I think you have, again, have you the amount of turns that have been completed by each player? Yeah, we've got that data from Masters. I've not managed to go through it yet. Um, we've actually got that from last year, Tempest as well, I think. Um, and again, I've, I've not <laughs> I've not gone through it. So, um, so I'm going to bother filling it in next year. <laughs> <laughs> but what Liam says is, is, and I've certainly been involved in games um, at the start where you think oh, it's taking quite a long time, and we've not really got going yet. And I've not, I've been guilty of not maybe speaking up and being as um, forceful as maybe you should try and be without trying to, you know. It's it's a hard. I'd, you know, I I definitely think that is a hard thing to yeah. Say. But you, as you much as judge it all, they're those, they're taking up time of your weekend. But for those people who are yeah. who are coming who are who are slow and who are. Uh, and not intentionally doing anything. Um, obviously, people are, you know, we're, we're conscious of it. And, you know, if it's your first event, no one's going to judge on it. People no, are going to no, help you not. through it. They're even even, even top table players are not yeah, going to. They're going to offer you help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's a point. Like what I. No, no, go on. Sorry. Are you, no, are you I was just saying that I think that if, if it's one of your first events and you're worried you're going to take too long in these phases and. People are going to be grumpy at you. Don't don't think you're going to win in your first event. Just go there and get used to the experience. Take yeah. something. Take something that you don't have to overthink. Just go there, see how it works for the first couple of times. You know, if you get five nilled, I got five nilled in my first event. Came dead last. I loved it. It's one of my favourite events ever. I met some great people who I still keep in touch with. I won a game on my first event. Well. <laughs> That's because you played me. But all I'm saying is, first event, any less what? than that, and you suck. No, I'm Wait a minute, Did, you, you played me in your first event, didn't you? I don't. Know, I lost. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll be both of you guys. We only got two turns in, though. I should have been back then. <laughs> I slow played you. But just saying, though. I mean, if you go into your first one, just go go with you know no expectations and go to enjoy it and just get used to the scene. 
and you'll meet some decent people and then you can rank up the competitiveness as as you get more and more familiar with your army first and foremost get comfortable there i'd say and you're only going to be comfortable if there's been some great tips there from everybody i mean you've got uh the cheat sheet um i i've tried that it don't work for me because i ignore it no um, yes you don't take it with you that's what i was saying yeah. like an exam you don't take your notes into the exam no. normally so you just I, just the writing it down helps you remember and then just I, leave it i think you just, take, friend, you just take weighted dice to the event that's what you do you write on your hands it's like an exam <laughs> that's i it, think yeah. The inside of your calculator. <laughs> printing out your war scrolls on as few, having as few war scrolls as possible. Printing them out in I always print them out in a little booklet, like an A5 booklet. And I've done that since seventh edition. And then beyond that, counting the dice is a great one. I always have all my dice in fives. Tokens, again, as you've said, movement trays. One of the fastest things that things that sped me up most. And I'd never even considered it when I played Ogres because there's so few models. But when I was playing the deaths and I moved to the same place as I copied you guys, get one of those really useful boxes, put a rubberized metal sheet on the bottom. I rank up all my, uh, before I leave the house, I put all my skeletons in the movement trays in, in the box. And when I get to the table, I'll take the lid off and I'm just pulling out the units racked up already to deploy and it's 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 excellent it really speeds it up and i think everybody else is um all those things are, are really good good indicators and the main thing is if you want to start going to them don't worry about it just just be comfortable don't don't try and take 200 models get it down to as few as you can enjoy it, yeah. it yeah and, take and an army. Also, take an army you love, and you like. That's a, take something you love, and you the hobby that you love. You, you. I mean, folk will understand. Like, I've seen some awesome armies. Like I, at my local GW, I've seen like a, a feck army where this this was his first event uh, for uh, AOS, but he had like the absolute amazing army. Like he had his ghoul king sitting back on the Terrorgeist, and then had like a queen in his lap. Sort of thing from the Blood Throne set, and she was obviously his queen, obviously because he obviously the feck stories that they're obviously royalty and that sort of thing, which I thought was absolutely amazing. And that's the point. The game is passion. Like you've got the hobby side, you've got the gaming side, and also if you're in our local like scene, send one of us a message. We'll add you to the WhatsApp group if you use WhatsApp. There's people in there that'll talk all the time about how much we love the hobby and. That is that's what we constantly try and build in Scotland. That's what we are. We love. Yeah. Some of us live, breathe this game, but some of us, like you say, use it as a a getaway from normal life and be able to delve into just an on an amazing uh, group of guys. There's not a, not, yeah. not a bad word I would say. And honestly, girls. with any of us and girls, sorry, yeah, oh, yeah, and, girls. and any uh, people that mark themselves obviously as other genders, I obviously or anything. So you know, yeah, so, no, that's totally that's. Fine. But the th- another thing is, if you're traveling, don't worry. There's normally people staying the night before. Um, and if you're staying overnight, there's there's very few hotels and things in, in Sterling. And we're normally, you've got guys staying there. We're always up for a warm-up game the night before. And if you ever want to just break the ice with somebody, have a pint, 
have a game in a really relaxed way and come to terms with your army a little bit more. That's a good a good way of doing it as well. So um, we often just, know our first opponent as well. Maybe reach out, yeah. speak to your first reach opponent, out. break the ice. Yeah, and if people ever want to um, to meet up the night before, um, just give us a shout. There's Twitter's probably the best way to get hold of anybody in the hobby because. Most people have an account, even if they don't use it actively. It's a good way to get messages to and from people. So I'd advise people to, to just keep an eye on that. And yeah, no, that's great. Well, cheers for that. I think uh, all we want to say really is that we're a welcoming place, um, yeah. and people are very tolerant. So so don't don't worry if you're uh, if you're not running at hundred mile an hour. Um, at least you're sober. Or maybe also, you're not. <laughs> if if you lived local to any of us, contact us. We'll get a game in yeah. for an event, and we can give you a a tournament feel game. Like we can help you maybe like face to face, help you to speed up your game, obviously, sort of thing as well. Uh, again, as as it is, as much as your opponent's knowledge to know what your army does as well. Like if they like the war scrolls are all available, sort of thing as well. That's it's as much their knowledge to know. The basic information of what you can do as well. Uh, obviously, don't take it all to your to yourself that you have to explain what your entire army does before the game, sort of thing. Obviously, if you have a, a have like an allegiance ability and a trait and things like that, normally people explain those sort of things. But you shouldn't have to really explain fully what the distance that moves and that they, your opponent has the access to that if they ask the question. Fair enough. But yeah, there's there's no help of them when you're deploying. Or you're taking turn one, them looking at their your war scrolls and going, oh, so that's what that does. That's what that does. It's all these things. Or you have the cards in front of them and they can just flick through and go, ask any questions they have. That's kind of the point of the game as well. It's not. It shouldn't just fall like I'm. So I'm trying to say it doesn't fall on your shoulders for the game always being slow. It shouldn't. You shouldn't feel that it's you that takes that three hours. It could also just be from the knowledge of everyone that's in that game, or like you say, uh, interferences or distractions of. Yeah, and it's all like you say. It's always different as well when you're uh, when you're at a, a relaxed, casual game, either in a shop or at your house or round oh, yeah. at a club or whatever you're at. And you know, there's there's a lot of chatting goes on. Things are done really slow. There's a lot more discussion, and that three hours, I'd, I'd probably guess that wasn't three hours from you deciding to rack up the first model and deploy it. Um, I think. I think people should just uh, not not worry too much about that, and uh, yeah, just give it a go. We're a welcoming bunch. Okay, uh, and I don't even know if that person's based in Scotland, so sorry about that. But I'm sure the this friendly folk nearby you, wherever you are. So yeah, find your local scene, find your local tournament scene, and like I said, try and see if you can get a game of one of them, and they can kind of. Give you a tournament feel game. Obviously, even then, again, like a lot of these. Uh, Again, you may have all their issues of like anxiety and things like that. Obviously, these things can build up, and obviously, that should you should try. Obviously, have it as most as a relaxed feel. That's a point in the game. It's not an ender. It's not a game break if obviously you can't finish a game within that time. There's just like you say, learn things that can maybe help you finish it quicker, which would be the most important thing. Yeah, and that's saying finishing a game in three hours. A lot of games don't finish in tournaments in nope. the two and a half hours you get given. So, so don't worry about that. I mean, I mean, the amount of games, and I, I mean, I think if Scott did go through those those uh, stats, I reckon that 
ten percent of games yeah. probably don't finish in in the two and a half hours. So, and that's without the distractions. Yeah. And again, as I said, you might find that it would be also a a common thing that it's maybe not just you. So you'll play an opponent game two or three who also hasn't finished their games uh, within the full time and they've only taken three turns each game. That also then doesn't, that shouldn't fall back on you, like you say, of it's you that's slow because obviously they're also doing the exact same thing, but even they could have been at a tournament playing tournaments for 10 years and it's still... Yeah, yeah it still like, happens. Like you say, try and play an army within your limits of time like again like you say small model count to start with and work your way up would be the way i would do it oh, that's grand well some good advice and yeah keep at it and don't don't feel uh don't feel intimidated in any way right then so um our last question well the next couple of sections are uh, generated from listener questions as well but they they were an, a little bit more chatter i suppose the last section in uh the last question in this section is what was your 2018 hobby or gaming highlight and we'll start this time with nathan and i bet um, i can guess what it is i don't have one my year has absolutely sucked um <laughs> no uh gaming highlight had to be winning the inaugural masters i'm gonna sound like such an idiot for even mentioning it but yeah that's the that's the gaming highlight and hobby highlight is tied to it as well. I managed to get the Deepkin from Grey to painted inside of three weeks. Not to the standard that I would obviously like, but yeah, got them all painted. So that's a hobby highlight for me. Good job. And well done again on being our inaugural master. Uh, yeah. So Liam, go on. Hit us with your hobby and gaming highlight. Uh, it's a it's a hard one actually. A hobby highlight. I got a painting nomination at Tempest this year from a Fire Slayers, which I got painted in a week. I was quite happy with that to actually even get that uh, nomination because I'm definitely I know myself. I'm def I'm not one of the the painters. Uh, of our scene and it just obviously felt quite for obviously the, the effort that was put in over the short period of time uh, gaming would be to then be as much as Nathan won the Masters would be to be at the top of the Scottish rankings and to then be 25th was it I think in the UK the highest Scottish for player. sure you were going to mention Facehammer because you did really well going 4-1 down there and being the uh, Scotland captain for six yeah. nations. <laughs> There's too many. It's quite a busy game. <laughs> a busy, a busy, uh, making it to 14 events as well and spend time like all the guys that I like spend time with. We had also an awesome year. Yeah. That was good fun. Here's another one. Ching ching. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about yourself, Scott? Gaming highlight. Probably going down to Heat 2. Finishing five turns. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no, Heat 2 was brilliant. And I'm hoping they get tickets up for the next batch of Heats soon. Um, it was November last time we 
we bought tickets for Heat Two. Um, but no, Heat Two, yeah, it was great. It was just different. It's a, it's a, it's playing at Warhammer World competitively, so that was the first time for me. That was um, it was it was very busy. It was loads of nice armies there, people that you you see. We don't get a chance to chat to everybody, but it was no, that was that was really cool. Hoping to go back there. Um, hobby highlight is probably just the Nurgle army. I like the. I've been a big fan of Nurgle for a long time, and it was great to get the the book and the and the great and clean one out. So really enjoyed painting the great and clean one. Um, and he's a very forgiving army as well to paint. Very quick to get on the table. So, uh, and, so and, get, and getting an army done. An independent actually picked it, shortlisted it, didn't they, for uh, best for the coolest army at Northern Invasion last year? Nothing to do with me. <laughs> Nobody prompted it. And didn't you win? Did you ever get? Did you get yourself your games, Matt? No, I haven't actually bought it yet. I've been meaning to. Oh, to man, you've got to, to get that spent in. just in case it expires. Well, plus that and Brexit. <laughs> Scott, yeah. Did you not get a nom uh, or have a world as well? Did your stuff? Well, not so that was a, that was a self nomination. Mike says, "Oh, get your." Get your great and clean one in the cabinet, and I was I was actually still playing my game because obviously I got the, the full two and a half hours. So I, I got to the end and said, "Let's just you just want take to it." Maximize your value for money by playing for the whole <laughs> well, two and a half hours. Though that's it, that's it. I was getting ready to part by a Slanesh army, so um, that's when I said, "Oh, Mike, just just take it and put it in somewhere." And he, he was he was a good lad, and he he, he put it in a nice um, sort of central upper shelf, not not right directly underneath a lamp. So that was cool to. To get the big fella in the the big great and clean one in the in the in the cabinet, I didn't go any further than that. I didn't get any prizes beyond that, but it was nice. To, it didn't look too out of place, so that's good. Yeah, I'd like to get down to a game there with you, but I think my diary's pretty full for the next year now. I know it's filling up, and it's I'm desperate to. I'd love to go back to the heat. Yeah, yeah, it would be nice. Oh, uh, what about you? Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. I think. Um, in terms of gaming, I think qualifying for the Masters and being on the Six Nations team um, was was my highlights. Um, <laughs> didn't excel particularly, but managing to get there and not doing too bad was good. And uh, yeah, I got to a fair few tournaments, so that was nice. And then uh, in terms of hobby, I think getting my last Mortark getting the, the third and final Mortark uh, <laughs> painted was uh, was was good. No, I've been working one. on it for there's a while. No, it's not real. I'm not having it. So she's not a real Mortark. So, yeah, it was nice. And I've now got the death in the cabinet. So um, I always have different armies in the cabinet in the living room there. And now I've got – it's not all my death because I can't fit my night haunting – and I can't fit my dead walker stuff in, but I've got, I've got the Mortarks, I've got the Morgasts, and I've got all my skellies and necromancers and uh, my dire wolves, my grave guard, and yeah, and all the flesh eater courts, and then the stuff I crazily made for the uh, for the masters, the zombie and the the zombie dragon and the um, terror geist, and I've got a good, considering I only started the death army. Um, after Aegon in October last year, um, I've pretty much, I've got a massive, massive collection now. If you if you take into account all the stuff I've not even got there, and I think getting Manfred built and painted, and he was, and I was all very happy with him as well. It didn't take me long to do him, but um, I followed uh, 
the tutorial on Warhammer TV from Duncan for the Flaming Skulls. And uh, I was really happy with the outcome. So I think that was my hobby highlight. Yeah. So, no, that was good. Good fun. So the next section, uh, this is us uh, going over probably to Liam and Nathan again, because um, they've got more experience with this army and have discussed it a bit more than us. Um, so we've had a listener um, who sent us uh, his list. I don't know if you've got that up, Liam, the models he's got. I don't, sorry. It, it is earlier in the chat. I'll maybe go back and find it and I'll I'll repost it. Um, but you can maybe start generically talking about them. So this is a uh, an Iron Jaws player who's got his own he's got his own models and he's asking for some advice on how he can turn it into a into a stronger force. Is it, is it Mike? Some, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, so I'll dig out the list. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about the particular strengths and weaknesses of Iron Jaws to start with between you and Nathan while I while I dig this out. Would you like to start? You're a previous player of the Nathan, would you? Yeah, sure. Um, well, right now, I really like the, the Maw Crusher. Um, you can kind of go one of two ways with them. I've been talking to one of the, the lads at our club locally here who plays them quite a bit and he's got a few lists one without the maw crusher and one without it's kind of the way I, I see it um, the way that they play in AOS 2 is based around stacking the wa and trying to get some big charges with the majority of your army if you wipe out a unit you get to pile in with another one and fight immediately so you can get some pretty nice stuff going off the back of that so I always look at the core now as a mock Crusher. I like double War Chanter just because of the prevalence of negatives to hit in the game. And, and what does the War Chanter do? So it's uh, Frenzy of Violence or something I think it's called. It's a 10 inch range buff where you pick a unit and add one to hit. And it is until the end of that combat phase. Like you do it in the hero phase and it ends at the end of that turn's combat phase. So it doesn't persist into your next turn, which is unfortunate, but you know that it only lasts that combat phase, so you need to capitalize on it. Um, the WA from the Mega Boss is 15 inches, or 15 inches from the Maw Crusher, 10 inches, I think, from the Mega Boss on foot. Roll a dice, and you count the number of units within that range. If you roll equal to or under the number of units, you get plus one attack for all those units until the end of that phase. Uh, that combat phase, and if you've got six units and you roll a six, it's plus two attacks, so you can get some crazy attacks going. The way I used to play them was loads of brutes, and I think now the way that you want to play them is no brutes. Um, they're really, yeah, like I, I think that maybe I would only maybe take one or two units of five. I wouldn't build a big core of brutes anymore. They've got the exact same bravery as Ard Boys, but Ard Boys get buffed to their bravery. So they're going to run away in, uh, in combat to Battleshock quite easily. And they they don't get the same benefit as the other units get, or specifically Ard Boys get from the WA. They, they tend to benefit a bit more. You've got more models in the unit. 
um, more attacks and they're more resilient. So I'd, I've kind of changed tack and like big units of Ard Boys and MSU units of Gorgrinners to fill out. Um, so I think the core for me would be Megaboss on Mawcrusher, two War Chanters, two units of three uh, Gorgrinters minimum, and a big block of Ard Boys. That's enough to get you inside of the Iron Fist formation as well, which makes you a little bit faster, gives you an extra artifact, and lowers your drops. And then the rest is really just for flavor. Um, maybe add a couple of units of Brutes in to that Iron Fist. Uh, if you get it to five units, you can take one of the one-drop formations, the Bloodtooths or the Iron Sons. Um, they give you marginal buffs, but they give you another artifact, another command point for the WA and lower your drops. Uh, for wizards, the Weird Knob Shaman, in my opinion, is overpointed. You can do some cool things with them now with the portal. Uh, well, I suppose the portal, you don't draw the line back to yourself with the, the no. green puke. But in the Weird Fist, you roll the number of dice for the amount of models in the Weird Fist in range. When you cast a spell, uh, a 1, 2, or 3 adds 6 inches to the range, and a 4, 5, 6 adds plus 1 mortal wounds. So if you've got 5 units, on average, you're going to be getting plus two or three mortal wounds, and you're going to be adding 12 inches to the range. Shoot the green puke out of a portal, uh, potentially up to, what well, I think it's you roll 2d6 and add 12, so up to 24-inch range, doing d3 plus two or three mortal wounds to everything, like all enemies. You can do some cool stuff with that. But in my opinion, go for the fungoid cave shaman. 40 points cheaper, gets a reroll to cast. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, they're a bit weaker than they should be right now. Iron Jaws. I would, uh, I would like to see them get a bit of a buff, either with points or some new units or something. But the core, a lot of Iron Jaws lists look the same. The core is kind of standard. It's hard to divert away from it. So, so this is what um, our listeners got. Um, he's got the Mega Boss on More Crusher. He's got a Megaboss on foot, a War Chanter, a Weird Nod Shaman, 30 Hard Boys, 10 Brutes, 3 Gorgrunters, and he's just acquired a Huskard on Thundertusk and 2 Mournfang. Um, so he's liking the way that the Hard Boys and Brutes are, are performing, um, but he fancied adding the Mournfang and Thundertusk for a bit more damage, but he doesn't know whether or not that's a good idea, I suppose. So he wants to stick with Iron Jaws Allegiance, he's saying. Now, bearing in mind this was before FAQ had received this. Um, so he'd only add in what he could take as allies. So he says it's a bit of a mixed bag of that, um, but would appreciate any hints, advice or tips based on what he's got. So I've just Iron fired Jaws that start collecting. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I've just fired that into the, um, the chat there. Yep. So you can refer back to it. So between yep. you both... What do you reckon? What's what's the advice? If you had those models, how would you turn it into something you'd want to take to a one day or maybe even a two day? Well, do you want me to do this then? Or yeah, go for it. I'm, yeah. I'm just building a list right now, just looking at the stuff. Uh, my thing would be is uh, I probably would honestly not choose the Iron Jaws Allegiance anymore. I would be going for Firestorm Allegiances 
because they got Stompa is just a lot better for what the game is at the moment. The chance of the summon a unit back or the extra move is a lot better. And now that they've FAQ'd that you can take allies with a Firestorm Allegiance, that means you could take that Huskard on Thunder Tusk as an ally due to it being his... Because uh... our boys are battle-line basic, aren't they? Or are they Iron Jaws only? Uh, our boys are Iron Jaws only. All of them are Iron Jaws only. And, and Brutes, yeah. Yeah, all three of them. That's pointless. Why... YGW, <laughs> change Iron Drop, like our boys, to common battle line. So, yeah, you'd have to, if you're taking Firestorm, would be find your other battle line uh, grots, other orcs, and things like that to fill that. I but I do think. Want, yeah, I don't think he's I, wanting to do that at the moment. But that was pre, pre um, FAQ, so. I think the. the Like you say, I like the one drop list, uh, Nathan, like he says, the minus one to hit. Is that the blue blood tooth? Iron Suns. It's uh, Iron Suns, yeah. on a three plus, so sixty-six percent of the time you're gonna be minus one to hit in the first battle round, and you get to add one attack to your mock crusher. Uh one of the rider's weapons and plus one wound. So it's it's not bad. The the other one's good as well in Iron Jaws because it gives you plus one to charge and plus one bravery. And where yeah. the army suffers is definitely bravery. So there's a couple of things that you can do there. They've got an artifact called the Golden Tooth. Every unit that is wholly within 12 of the wielder of the Golden Tooth doesn't take a Battleshock test. So you can do some kind of cool things if you know that you're not going to get first turn or maybe what give them first turn. Position that model wholly within 12 of your units and they won't break. But looking at those models that he's got, if he wants to stick with Iron Jaws Allegiance, if he got one more start collecting box for Iron Jaws, I would give another ten hard boys, another war chanter, and another three gore grunters. And the list I've just built is Mega Boss and Mock Rusher, double war chanter, weird knob shaman, thirty hard boys, ten brutes, three grunters, three grunters, and an iron fist formation. That's nineteen ninety. Hundred and fifty two wins, two artifacts. It's probably a good core. When we're talking about armies that you can learn to play fast or play quick at tournaments, that'd be a perfect one for playing games quite quickly. Minimal rules, and, minimal war scrolls. Yeah, and for a realm, I'd be choosing light. I would just be yep. trying to get the brooch to stack your waz. That's kind of the only thing they have right now left after the latest update to them. I've mm. played with Iron Jaws, played against them quite a lot. One tactic that I would say is try and get your entire army, or as much of it as possible, charging in the same turn. Mm. And get your get the wow off and just try and chew through some stuff. Think a couple of activations ahead. So often we talk about screening or protecting uh, soft parts of your army. So maybe pile in an attack with the big unit of 30 hard boys, knowing that they're going to kill the screen, and then have your unit of brutes positioned off to the side when they do their three-inch pile in. When the screen's gone, they can start attacking something else. And you can kind of snowball into your opponent's army Mm-hmm. Um, taking advantage of the, the smashing and bashing. The Aether Quartz brooch in Realm of Light is awesome for the Iron Jaws. Just what, able you'll to be on, continue You'll be on two command points to start with, so free turn one. Yep. It's just going to be solid. Yeah, so by, turn, by time turn four comes, if you've got the Golden Tooth as your other artifact, 
Uh, you don't need yeah, to worry please. about your inspiring presence. So you've got 1990 points. You've got one from the Iron Fist, one from turn one, uh, and then you get three turn two, yeah, and just charge in multiple was be awesome and there you go that's some pretty solid advice so hopefully that's uh that's well received and this we'd like to hear how you get on as well so stick at it and uh and tell us how you get on and that's for for martin who's uh he's been a solid listener and supporter on our uh on our page right from the beginning so uh cool right so what have we got next? Let me find our schedule. Oh shite. Oh edit. What would you choose as the command trait, sorry then, just to kill your time while that's on? Ironclad. Nathan. Ironclad for the minus yeah. one rend. Minus one to rend. Just keep your maw crusher alive. Reality is if you're gonna be piling an attack in turn two, when you've got everything in position, he's gonna take a lot of the attention. Yeah. Big model, base is massive. The other thing I actually like, uh, obviously the, Martin doesn't have this model, but it would be the Fungoid Cave Shaman yeah. as the general. That would lose give the you command, trait. command point as well. Yeah, you, you lose the command them. trait. You lose the command trait uh, obviously from that, but it can still be your general in the allegiance, but it allows you to, if you charge with your destruction, with your Iron Jaws move, you could then retreat and then charge again if uh, you so wished. Uh, which obviously with the Maw Crusher's bulk, uh, destructive bulk, is just really strong. Uh, being able to do that two or three times a turn is just yeah quite nice. Oh, that's grand. Well, thank you very much for that. And as I say, uh, uh, let us know how you get on. So the next section here um, is another one which is asking in particular about the deployment phase. So this is um, asking for some good practice advice on what to think about when you're deploying your army um and obviously there are loads uh, there are loads of variables um based upon who you fight in what the mission is uh, where the terrain's set up and whatnot but um let's uh, have a quick one here it, it might be just a list of questions you ask yourself i don't know um but again we'll probably start with yourself nathan um and then move around other people for some quick tips so yeah. what how do you uh how do you when you come to the table uh before you do anything um what do you ask yourself i thought about, about this question because it to me at least it now it's quite hard to describe or explain it comes down to muscle memory a lot of the time and as you said the mission the scenery the variables the deployment zone uh where scenery is what buffs it gives so if you're looking for advice that you're going to just take into games going forward, it's probably just as simple as ask your opponent anything that you're not sure of. And what I mean by that is you might, maybe you do know about it, but maybe you just want to let them know that you're going to be taking this into account to speed your game up and also clarify things. So if you're deployed 24 inches apart, and you want to put something on the table that you don't want to die turn one, maybe start looking at your opponent's army and ask them what is the threat range of X and what that might be. And maybe it's a shooting unit. So if that shooting unit's got 24-inch shooting range and can move five inches, then it's got a 29-inch threat range. 
So if you deploy 29 inches back from the front line, it's impossible that that unit's going to be able to reach out to them. Do the same with units that are combat focused as well. Like I did when me and Liam played, we talked about the threat range of his Black Knights. So we're taking into account the benefits to movement he was going to get potentially from COGS. Um, if he has run and charge options, then you would be looking at their movement plus six because the potential of a D6 is six. And if you definitely don't want to die, then just count that D6 as six and deploy as far back as you need to, to avoid anything. Um, for me, deployment just comes down to don't lose on deployment. That's, that's the only advice I would give. Just ask loads of questions, make sure that you have measured out ranges. When you get to sort of high level aspects of it, it almost becomes a mind game. I know that you do this as well, Liam, but you'll call out like, uh, what's the threat range of your Black Knights, for, for example, and then you deploy just out of that range. And by you asking that question, your, your opponent knows that you're weary of the fact that their Black Knights can do X, and then they might deploy them somewhere else. So for me asking the question, I'll uh, make sure that I, I know that they're going to move to somewhere else, seeing as they can't get what I'm putting down. I did say it was difficult to explain, and it's not easy to explain when you're two pints of rum and coke down, but <laughs> that's the only advice I can think of right now. I've lost you. Anyone else? Oh, no, I'm there. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> I'm speaking on mute. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, cheers for that. Um, <laughs> That's that's what happens after a few, <laughs> a few large wines and a couple of cans of IPA. So, um, Liam, uh, what do you ask yourself when you're in the deployment stage? Uh, so for the deployment stage, for me, it's more based on, uh, like you say, the same idea is what, knowing what your opponent's ranges are, your threat ranges, uh, what your bubbles are. So like, there's nothing worse if you deploy all your units and then you can't deploy your hero because you've not left a bubble for him. It's kind of the major thing. Again, as Nathan says, it's quite hard to explain. I could always do like a diagram of, uh, like I say, a measure like, so if I know my opponent can deep strike, I measure out to make sure that they can't hit my key units. I can bubble them out. Uh, they can't deploy behind me like what I did against Nathan at uh, the Masters. I deployed my units so that he couldn't hold me in. Well, I could uh, block his eels coming on the sides and just move this large bubble of uh, mass that wasn't doing anything for me, but it was stopping him gaining an advantage from being behind me. And that's kind of... I know this is cross-advertising, but having recently just read it, the workbook from uh, The Honest Wargamer, a free download on his website, he goes into a lot of detail on building a list, deploying your army and stuff, and it's yeah. all written down. And I think he might even have a couple of diagrams or a couple of examples in that book. I'm not entirely sure. No, but it's I good stuff. definitely start there. That's... Uh, really good primer for people that have these kinds of questions like you either learn it from experience i've lost games on deployment countless times 
even in practice now, I've lost games on deployment, so you, you kind of learn a lot of it from your own mistakes. Because yeah. um, it is really hard to put into words. You kind of need to visualize it. It's funny because I've been in, in games with like top, top, top level con- competitors, and um, you can see them tense and scrutinizing absolutely everything you do. And then, you know, they're totally there leaning over the table and you'll put a certain unit in a certain place and you just see the body language change as they suddenly become totally relaxed and they know (laughs) they've won the game at that point. And as a new player, you just don't see what it is. And granted, with years of experience, it comes to you. But even so, you you just see it. And at that point, they see what the threat is because they know what your army is. And as soon as you're the the thing that they think they're going to have the most issue with is down, and if it's in a certain place, you just see that they're confident, and they know from that point they've got you, no matter what you do for the rest of that game. And it's a funny one. So yeah, you really have to know your your army and know your opponent, and um, be mindful of what you drop when as well. I think keep them guessing, because if you've got something that can threaten them. Um, if you can hold it back as long as possible to see uh, where they put the thing it can threaten, um, you can maybe force their deployment in a in a way they're not really happy with. Like with your box of no fun there, Liam, where uh, Nathan obviously had the uh, the the threat from the eels, and you ended up having to put a massive box around your whole deployment zone, similar to how I was when I went up against uh, Shawheart with, with Adam uh, Adam Turner at the Masters, where that threat of having all those uh, nasty evocators drop down and, and come and smash me up meant that I had to, rather than having one big core block of skeletons that I used as a as a to anchor my front line i had to spread that right out and i don't know bubble everything in it and then that meant that everything was moving at four inches rather than um how i wanted to move so more, yeah, if you... more games than we care to admit are won and lost on deployment like we talk about playing five turns but often a game can be won or lost before the yeah. game even starts yeah and i think that with a lot of the current missions Um, when it takes a certain piece or a certain unit to hold something and it needs to be supported by something else to make sure it's safe, you have to make sure that the thing that can hold it is within range. Um, You've got to remember that moving through woods with a hero um, isn't going to maybe claim you a hero objective because you have to move onto something and a setup isn't a move. So you have to move onto it. And then you have to make sure that you're going to be protected. Um, so you've got to make sure that all the different pieces that need to fall into place will do. So when you're deploying, rather than just thinking about your enemy and what where they're putting their stuff, you also have to think about how are you going to score? Because you can fight your enemy and lose. You can table them and still lose if you don't go for the objective. So it's a difficult one. And I think, yeah, just becoming experienced with your own army is probably the best the best answer. Have you got any any particular tips there, Scott? What do you think about um I think covering most of what I think of it mostly is the is, is your own bubbles and, and you know trying most recent army trying to fit a great and clean one base in. It's not like fitting a small hero, it's it's a big giant round base. So 
making sure that he's in a central enough place that he can do his thing. So it's, it's you know, it's like, yeah, like what Liam said, leaving spaces, being aware of your bubbles, but uh, watching when, if things can come on the the board edge or behind you is, you know, cover, make sure you've got a nine inch um, space covered there. But one last thing maybe folk have mentioned that it's, it's, it's maybe not quite so important in AOS 2 is, is the terrain and using that in your deployment. If you've got, probably the most useful one for me is Arcane. If you've got a plus one to cast somewhere, um, you know, don't forget to put your wizard next to it because, it, yeah. it, you know, it's still very useful. Other stuff is not quite, you know, damned isn't as broken as it, as it was before. Um, Mystical is quite not... useful now still. Yeah, yeah, it gives you the the um, the additional ward save now, yeah. I suppose, doesn't it? Whereas before yeah. it was a threat. Yeah, <laughs> it's different. The, like, so. Games enter though, Scott, because I've given away arcane scenery before because yeah. I know that my opponent's going to put their wizard next to it. So <laughs> yeah, true. There's yeah, like so yeah. many. Mind, like I was just thinking about mine in Liam's game uh, at Masters. He massively outdropped me. So he didn't need to create the box of no fun before I'd put my eels in the sea, but he, he did it to force me, like he to send that message. I know that you're not going to put your stuff in the sea now, so just put it on the table and let me see where it's going. Like he could have staggered his deployment to let me do it and then close the net. So yeah, it's really complex deployment. Yeah. So there you go. Not the most <laughs> useful of answers, but I think the no. tip to go and have a look at the uh, to go and have a look at the Honest Wargamers workbook is a is a good one because if you're a, a starting player, uh, or even if you if you're not, it makes you think about things that maybe you haven't. And we could do episode after episode on various different things, but somebody's already done a good job at it, so give them a give it a look. And give them a, a like and a follow. Okay, so well, that's deployment. Um, so I suppose before we're wrapping things up, and we're not talking about our New Year resolutions here, we're talking about our Christmas list. So, what is the main thing that you are wanting from uh, Age of Sigmar next year? So, uh, it's a difficult one. I'll maybe start. I'm not going to say too much i'm gonna say stability because i do think we're in a good place and i think that the reflection after the faq and the positives that have come out of it from people who've thought about it and um, said what they think has made me think about it and i am generally happy about things i'd like to see a couple of new armies i'm sure we're going to get moon clan i'm sure we're going to get the elves um in whatever form they take so that things are going to get shaken up but i hope they get shaken up by new releases rather than by mechanic changes um so that's really my thing um i want to see uh, us out to the the next general's handbook and then get the whole next chapter coming forward but i, I don't want i don't want wholesale change because i don't think it's broken that's me so uh what about yourself liam yeah, I kind of agree with you. I like the stability. We need to be more positive in the scene. Like I think the last week has been quite a negative on a lot of the social medias regarding what people wanted from the FEQ. And are now, obviously, quite a lot of it is backlash to the company. But it's like, you're playing this game for a reason. You play it because you love the hobby. You love spending time with these people. Look at the positives of what happened. 
you don't have to go buy a new army or your friend that's been collecting docs since day one by chance got really strong obviously when the last uh, General's Handbook came out because they weren't touched and their abilities were still strong it means that they don't have to then get ridiculed more for an army they chose that they love to play and you can see it's been a crutch but some people just by chance pick up the army because they love the models and that and are maybe coming on looking on social media and going oh what do people say about my army and they just see this like you say the lists that have went on the last couple of weeks of why that's not the right thing to play or do but they could just love the army like it's it needs to be we're a community, yeah. You know I mean, they, the the feedback they took is what they wanted to do an FAQ. An FAQ in its name is frequently asked questions. They answer questions. They shouldn't be fixing rules. They shouldn't be changing points or anything like that. Give it a year. Wait for the next general's handbook. If they want to, obviously, with the director's commentary or call it something else and reword a lot of the rule the uh, the rule books. Fair enough if that's what they want to do, but. At least it's a bigger gap than having to change your army. Like, example, I do feel sorry for the people that were playing as each army after General's Handbook because their their army did get changed like three, four times between yeah the FAQs and the Beast of Chaos book. But some things got better and some things got not like the edges taken off. They got trimmed, but they need to know that. They had their time in the sun sort of thing. There was a two-year, almost a year-and-a-half period of where Zinch were not touched by anything. And again, a lot of folk in the community complained about how strong they were. But it was just because, there were, again, there was nothing else in the game that compa- competed with them uh, in Magic. Now the new edition, their stuff got a lot more expensive. And there are other heroes now kicking about the game that are better at Magic than they are. And... That's kind of just the way it is for them. I mean, the and advantage the advantage for us is that we get six months now to actually come to terms with it and fight it because we know what's strong. We know how they work. I've played Doc at my last two events out. I played Lee's um, Hagnar List um, at the Howling and then at Masters. And I also played um, uh, John Craig's uh Hagnar he, well, yeah. he had Hagnar as well. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I've, I've played those now. I've seen how strong they are and where they, they excel. And I'm building an army at the moment that I think can do well against those. Mm. So I'm thinking that in this next six months, people know that they're there for the next six months. Surely anybody who's got that New Year itch to build a new army is going to be building something that they know can, Get can, can counter it. Yeah. Counter them, yeah. I mean, those... Unless they manage to get their armies down in drops considerably, they're going to struggle because they're going to be always going to be vulnerable to that alpha strike. Mm. And the bravery on them witches is such that I know from playing Legion at night against them, um, they go down pretty fast if you get the alpha on them. Yeah. And I think with my new my new list I'm building now, I could I could wipe out all those troops in turn one. Mm. And I'm building an army that'll do that. If somebody wants to carry on playing that list, then they're going to suffer against certain people who are coming to counter them. They'll still do really, really well against 90% of the people. Um, but they're going to struggle against those people that are building an army specifically for game four. 
or whatever it is at an event where they might fight it, might play them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think uh, I think it'd be good, and it's not anything spiteful. It's just a challenge, and I I want to say that you know they did really well. I've reevaluated my position, and I'm building something, and hopefully I'll stand a better chance against that style of list um, if I face it again in the next six months. Mm-hmm. So I'm, exactly, and, yeah. yeah, and it's, it's this, like this I I moved away from the army I was playing because of strong negativity and also because I did th- thought I did think my army was going to be hit quite hardly at its knees and it's not going to have you know I mean it's going to be it's not going to be playable the version that I was playing closed my eyes came out of the the bombs and by chance I'm still standing and there is that army was still there but better because now I know for six months I can play the, that list and continue to play it uh and obviously it's strong within the missions that are there. Like I said, I thought I I was still hoping for a clarification maybe on better part of Valor and relocation orb or something just to maybe bring better part of Valor to the same as Scorched Earth maybe or something like that. I was hoping that those missions would maybe have gotten looked at, but obviously that's what they'll be saying for the next Jarmus Handbook. Because I think I think that's a, like as you say, for the negativity, a lot of the negativity is there as though that sort of missions where you go to the table and you've lost the game just due to either the opponent you've pulled or the mission that you've gotten uh which is a shame here's a question then just 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 for everybody i suppose i mean your preference rather than your thought however what about the next one are we going to have 24 missions for the next year or do you think that i think i think they'll just it'll be the the core book well they'll be the core book won't they because that's that's always going to be there yeah the core book won't change the core book won't change i don't think do you think that we're just going to get six that either amalgamates them from the last two handbooks and takes away the ones that are very similar to each other or that are a bit similar to like you've got star strike and gift from the heavens and things i mean are we gonna are we gonna see them rationalize what would you prefer what do you think liam i think well as i still see it is if you look at the malimportant stuff they did and all the little short stories. There's still a lot of references there that haven't been touched yet, which obviously now we're getting to the Moon Clan, the Dark Moon sort of thing, uh, which obviously will be that sort of stuff, the Slanesh. There's a lot of things that in either the book, the, the army books that came out this year and the backstories that they cover haven't been completely, uh, like, every rock uh, t- overturned sort of thing. They've, they need to still cover a lot of stuff within the Malin section, before we can move on. Like, I think we'll p- continue to play with Malin Sorcery until there's a new version of where we go from there, uh, where obviously that magic wouldn't be as strong. But again, that would be, obviously, with the storyline, uh, obviously, with the the Black Pyramid pulling magic to death, the realm of death, the center of death and that, obviously making the gas stronger, making things like that. It, as much as that's just in the story, it's also in the game. He is the strongest thing for magic in the game. And that kind of crosses, well, it hits two birds with one stone for them. Uh, it just matters what they do further with the armies. Like, obviously, Skaven were quite a important part in his, obviously, of doing, uh, deterring that, what happened there. Uh, Archeon's obviously not had much of a word since, obviously, then Slanesh, obviously, has been slightly mentioned between the realms of shadow and light and obviously i think we're going to get a like the elves a, are coming a, yeah the elves are coming 
I would quite like to see, obviously, because it's mentioned, obviously, that obviously Marathi wasn't the only person that took souls from the stomach of Slanesh. I would quite like to see the next lot of elves to still have that influence of evil. Like, obviously, like, the snakes sort of thing and the harpies, what she has. I'd quite like to see, like... And we've seen the tree revenants, haven't yeah. we? And the spite revenants and stuff, which but that's, is that's, another, uh, that's, that's another from reflection. The yeah. I'd quite like to see maybe, like, dragon, half-dragon elves and things like that. Uh, I think there has been some rumours on that, haven't there? Uh, yeah, like, dragon-skilled uh, elves and that sort of thing. And, the like, that sort of thing. More, uh, like cold one more bigger cold one sort of thing and that uh, a new dragon kit that's what i really want i want a new elf dragon kit i want <laughs> uh i don't i'm not a big fan of techless and Tyrion. i i would love a malorian oh, if, be if, back. if he's gonna have if by the picture in the book where he has like a half snake body i would quite like to see a large, a better version of him uh where he fuses obviously with sephiroth but uh uh, Sephiroth, sorry. I think they'll be back. Teclis and Tyrion are going to be back. Too much fantasy with Sephiroth there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, definitely, I think he's the one that is probably the character that I think needs to come out because that opens up. Those three characters need to have their model sort of thing released. Obviously, Deepkin was kind of the first. And again, there's still a lot of stuff mentioned in Deepkin lore. I don't know if you've read it yet, Nathan, but there's a lot of mention there of places they've raided and things like that that haven't obviously been mentioned and obviously them being in every realm kind of opens up that uh, chances that there could be more there there could be obviously if they're in every realm already there's obviously other things in that realms that they're obviously feeding on the souls of that we haven't seen i'd quite love to see an empire army i'd love to see the the realm of man sort of uh, push as well Kind of no, there's, there's a lot of excitement. That's a good thing. There's a lot of opportunity. It's so broad the game at the moment. What about yourself, uh, Nathan? Um, I'd like to just echo the stability thing. For me, looking forward to six months of known. Well, for the most part, I think we're going to see some big releases between now and the handbook. But knowing that my stuff does what it does for six months and looking even further forward after the handbook being fairly confident that unless something is just bonkers broken i've got a full year because i hope they've made they've set a bit of a precedent with this faq that they're gonna light touches save points changes for once per year if anything is just unplayable against they'll change it um so yeah, I'm quite I'm quite happy to say that I'd like to see that. I'd like to see uh, Maelstrom missions. That's one of my big things. I'd love to see Maelstrom. From there is a core rulebook one. Yeah, but I'd like to see it in card form. Something that yes, I, I definitely I would love to see. If you're listening, GW, give us a card form uh, cards for that rel, uh, that uh, mission yeah. in the core rulebook. Just I'd quite like to see that used as a competitive event. Yeah. One of your five games, like you say. I'd like to see with all of them. Like what's, the that, what's you, that? Come on. Right, so in 40k, you have deployment maps. Yeah. So say there's only six deployment maps. You yeah. roll a d6 for your mission and you're deploying in that map. But your yeah. objective can be different 
depending on what sort of mission you play. The mission pages are just the objective, not the deployment map. But then you get Maelstrom missions where you get a deck of cards. The 66 you, mission. Well, you draw uh, cards. Yeah. yeah. So you you draw you draw cards. Like the time of war ones. Uh, are they different to that? Well, you roll a you roll a you roll like four d sixty sixes, and yeah. that gives you your access. Like what the first six are for objective one, kind of. Uh, you then you get well you get like the last three I think are normally always objective based. The first one is like positives. The second one is like negatives. So like the positives are cast spells. Uh, have a unit wipe an enemy unit, things like that. The second one is about surviving. Uh, so this third... is already in the general. Yeah, it's in the core. It's in the core rulebook. In the core, in the core rulebook. Core rule book, they, yeah. If they expanded on that for like, give us six maelstrom missions that you can play, and then every game is going to be different. I, I just think that it, for well, me, you, playing the level is forty US, game is awesome. the USP for your your tournament when you guys run it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that would that would be quite cool to see something like that. I think we will see more missions. I know you were talking about it with uh, uh, previously there about yeah. whether they'll keep all the missions. Do you think we're going to go up to twenty four? I the think we might box? stay at eighteen. I think we'll yeah. stay at eighteen. They'll retire some of the similar ones. Yeah. I was having a little peek at chapter approved. There's a cool mission in there where there's six objectives and they're numbered. You roll a d six if like every objective is worth one point. If you but roll the, a three, yeah. the three is worth two. But if you roll a six, all of them become worth two points for that turn. Like that's something we've not got in Age of Sigmar missions yet. So yeah. there's been a lot. Four K is a lot more reactive that missions based than we are. We're kind of. I still feel very stagnated. We kind of our objectives are in a place. Like in Forty K, they can be you deploy three each, and they have to be like six of a, away from. Six of a board edge and twelve of each other, yeah. and things it's a lot like, like that. The card deck that came out, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I like yeah. the dynamic objectives, like uh, kill a hero, and you get one command points. If you kill three or more heroes, you get d three. Stuff like that, like yeah. to score those sort of objectives where you draw at the start of that turn, and you're like, right, I've got to do this this turn to get these points. Mm-hmm. It'd be a cool dynamic to see to the game, especially mm-hmm. because our be game cool. is objective based. Yeah. Like, and there's a lot of armies that don't actually use command points, and you could obviously have a set there of going like you can spend a command point to it, yeah. recycle a card. Like that's what we don't have. There's just nothing for a lot of armies because some armies are immune to battle shock, can't run in charge, so they don't need the sixes as much, and don't, they've got reroll charges built in. Like there's quite a lot know. of armies. That... I mean, I'm I'm not familiar. With, I don't play 40k, so I can't I can't say it. Just seem a little bit more random. Which I like. Like, a, a lot of folk don't like that about them. That is the downside of. I, I suppose I was I was brought into it on mainly coming into, um, I suppose like the last edition of fantasy was when I started going to tournaments properly. So, I mean, we didn't even have objectives then, apart from the Watchtower, did we? We just had <laughs> how much have you killed more yeah, than your opponents killed? Kill, it was kill, just kill. like. It was all about how much damage you'd done rather than anything else. And it, the deployment was different. And that was pretty much it. It was just, let's fight. And it was great. I loved it, don't get me wrong. Uh, apart from Watchtower. And, and I went to a lot of tournaments where Watchtower came out and across the table you'd just say, should we just play something we prefer? And we did. Because Watchtower was shite. Sorry. Beep. Um, but... 
I think with a yeah, I like the shift towards objectives, and I think it's it's been a good positive step. And I liked the ones from those cards, the open war cards or whatever it was they were called. And I tried those a couple of years ago at Northern Invasion. Uh, I think some of the objectives need tweaking a little bit. Yeah, more. I think some of them were just a bit as har- as harsh as it sounds, a bit too soft for the game. Yeah. Like the kill more models than your opponents, and yeah. that just was such an advantage to an army that I think I just mo- changed no models. I changed it to wounds, I think, didn't I, rather than models? But yeah, even so, it didn't really balance properly. Even if you look at the kind of standard ones that they've got in 40k that you would be able to relate to in Age of Sigmar, there's secure objective one. So if you capture that objective, you get the points. But then there's defend objective one. So that yeah. is you take you have to hold it for a turn. It for a turn. Like yeah. take and hold. hold. Yeah, but yeah. you just need to hold it for one turn. And you might okay. get two points or D3 points for yeah. doing that because it's a bit harder to do. So And these are all hidden. Well, yeah. so often they are. Sometimes in the pack mm-hmm. they would make it, they were open. You need knowledge. quite a mobile army for that, though. An option yeah. for, like, fast attack type units. No, I'm, I'm not I'm not okay with 40k, but I know when I have looked at it and building armies, everybody pretty much has a fast option. Yeah. Whereas in AOS... That's why there's ally pools. Uh, well, everyone has access so. to them. If you don't, then so. there's the list-building game where you go, well, I might not be able to do this, but why don't I try and build my army to deny my opponent being able to do it? So You also set up three of those objectives. You could also set yeah, them you up get to yeah, in your... Just by chance the number comes out, it could be your opponent's ones. Mm-hmm. Like a, an aggressive army would kind of put theirs in the middle of the board so they're closer to your side. So they can, if they're a combat army, they could obviously just charge at you. Like yeah. Tyranids or something. Uh, but like a guard army would obviously, if it's a gun line, it would kind of want to sit back. So it would put free kind of in its deployment zone and just kind of hold off its opponent. That sort of thing. But there's yeah, like, there's so much great. deployments as well. There's so much... There's so much awesome deployments in 40k compared to what ours are. But um, if they were to change nothing, I'd be happy just playing the game that we're playing. A couple of points, updates, a couple of new factions. I'm really enjoying the game right now. Cool. So what about yourself, Scott? Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, I've been thinking about this while you guys have been chatting, but... Get away from the sort of technical side of things. I, I hope they just keep surprising us in a in a positive way, which they're very good at. Listening to the new um, what they call Voxcast and Stormcast, where they've had Jess Goodwin and Jervis Johnson on, like you know, great episode ones to start things off, and it's just great listening to them guys, particularly Jess Goodwin. He's he's I, I absolutely love him. He's he's brilliant. He's he's a genius, and listening to the how far ahead they are and sort of planning and concept work um, before you get near production, before you get near rules, blah, blah, blah. Um, you just think, well, what's coming? And, you know, they've planned several years ahead. Even when it gets to, like, Jervis's side of things, he's saying he's at least one year ahead, maybe maybe even as far as two for, for like, battle tomes, things like that. So, you know, there's there's awesome things coming. The models are amazing. Just keep surprising us in, in good ways. And, you know, we know they're listening to us a lot more. They're think, even looking at today's Warmer community, they're saying, you know, White Dwarf is being tweaked again, presumably on lots of feedback. And I think there was there was a survey recently. I must have filled it in, but you know, they're they're, they're taking these things on board. They're they're listening to us, and um, yeah, keep surprising us. Keep 
you know, we don't know what's going to come next. It's, we think Moon Clan, we think, well, we know Slash is coming. What's what's left? There's 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 obviously the the fourth member of the Malign Portents model that we've not um, seen you know, the, the Chaos range yet. Is, is there something coming oh, there? Oh, the Dark Ghost stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, oh, we so, think, yeah, we think there must be something coming, mustn't there? Yeah, Some kind of a... Because aren't suggests... they in the Shade Spire stuff as well? Yeah, the, yeah. The Night so, Vault thing. There was yeah. a, a war band for them, wasn't there? Yep, yep. Same as there was the Moon Clan. So, um, mm. you know, what's what's coming next? Who knows? The, 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 they, they always catch us off guard. We think we've got them mapped out. We think we've got, we know what's coming and boom, right turn. Here we go. Yeah, I think we're going to get another Peachy and Duncan Christmas song uh, on Christmas Day this year. Well, I've, that's I've right. It was Nurgle last year. I've, uh, I've, I've got a source tells me it's happening. I can't wait because the last oh, one was amazing. That's right. I forgot all about that. Yeah. No, it's a good place to be. And it's such a change from where the hobby was four, five years ago. Oh, yeah. I remember, I remember it was. it was like I don't know. Well, it's hard to say what it was like without sounding <laughs> negative, but it was it was like shouting in an empty room. It was a it was a cold place to be sometimes, and uh, it's it's such a good and exciting place now. It's a it's a great great place, great hobby. It must be a fantastic place to work in the, in the you know the creative side, whatever it's. Yeah, they've they've really they're, they're clearly beefing up all the staff groups, the staff you know the departments and. They're, they're reaping the rewards, you know. It's, it turns out people with disposable income buy lots of stuff when, yeah. when, they, when they produce it. So, I think if they ever want to open a, a games workshop in Orkney, I would gladly, gladly retire from my current <laughs> position and take on a store manager's job because it's like a, yeah, it'd be a, it'd be a good retirement for me. So. You know, I'm already looking towards retirement. That's what happens when you're at my age. <laughs> I'll retire to a games workshop store manager. Oh, that'd be grand. Okay, well, I think that covers that covers our um, uh, Christmas thing. And it's been a bit of a, a bumper episode. So there you go, Christmas joy for everyone. Um, I'm going to, as, as, as a special Christmas gift to our listeners... We're gonna. Um, everybody's gonna select a, a song to put on. So there you go. We'll play out with them uh, in no particular order. Uh, there's not much else on. I don't think there's anything else on the schedule there. We've already covered Northern Invasion. Um, I sent out a video to our um, patrons. So check your messages. It may be through you. Uh, through you. If you if you log on to the Patreon site talking a little bit about our plans for next year but thank you very much to everybody who supported us it's allowed me to to get some equipment uh we got our roving mic for going to events we've got a headset we've got our um, annual subscription for hosting and things like that and we've managed to um to give prizes um to the different um tos that have requested it um, for various things next year we're we're going to be supporting the most sportsman-like player in any northern events where the to approaches us and wants us to do that um we're going to be offering price support for for the most sporting um because that's a side of the hobby that we're obviously uh keen on 
keen on promoting. Um, so your best sports um, will be will be putting together something exclusive and and great, no doubt. And our hobby hero in Scotland, um, I don't think it's been um, formally advertised yet, but but give him a nudge and ask him what he's planning because um, Scott's doing the Masters for the best players and and uh, and John John Harper is uh, there are moves afoot to do something. Uh, to recognise the most sporting up here as well, so yeah, that's something. Masters, yeah. yeah, so that's something that we're really behind, and so we've we've agreed to um, to support the best sports at any tournaments where, and then people who get sports votes, um, that'll all be kept and ranked by John. And at the at the Masters, there'll be there'll be a recognition for the most sporting people as well, whether or not they qualify. So. So give him a nudge and hopefully we'll get him to, to come and say a few words about that once the the charter or the uh, long and short of it's advertised. Um is there anything else that we need to cover before we before we wrap up for for Christmas festivities before we come back for our New Year show? What about yourself, Scott? What do you think? No, I don't think so. We can we can talk about our our new projects or our more of our plans for next year. Your next New time. Year's resignation. You only yeah. gets resolutions, Scott. We've got to we've got to nail you down to an army and a project. <laughs> You're gonna to commit to please, it. Please, please do. <laughs> um, what about yourself, Nathan? Anything, anything for this one? Uh, no. Merry Christmas, everyone. Yay! And, and yourself, day. Liam. Again, the same as. Uh, hopefully, everyone has a nice uh, festive season. And obviously, look forward to seeing everyone at Tempest that is coming. Obviously, there's four slots. Did you say four four tickets left? Come on, please buy them. Come Snap and see them me. Up. Yeah, I'll do, I'll do signatures and that if you wish. Uh, Nathan also will. He'll do posts selfies with money for money, obviously. <laughs> Photographs um, with the master. And those people who've sent us questions about wanting to get into the tournament scene but needing to upskill on this, that or the other, just don't worry about it. Just exactly. get something that you're comfortable with. Come along, have a bit of fun. And, don't be scared about going to two there. In, in many ways, it's better because you just you're immersed in it for a whole weekend. You'll meet loads of new people and you'll yeah. come away absolutely buzzing. Yeah, after the first couple of games, you're definitely playing alongside people that or of a similar yep. sort of familiarity with the game than you, and yep. you can really enjoy it. And you'll, be to, you'll be up to speed in your own army by that point. You'll be you'll be loving it. And you might even learn the ins and outs of, of, of a fabled game called One Hand, if you're lucky. <laughs> so. I still don't know what this game is. What's, what's, oh, seven? what's seven again? Did we get past seven? We didn't get past seven. Oh, I don't remember. I think this last one, yeah. I think we got to six. I can't remember. Yeah. But anyway, thank you very much to everyone for joining us. And uh and I'm not responsible for the, the bad songs that you're about to hear. Recently I've been hopelessly reaching out for this girl who's out of this world, believe me. Got a boyfriend He drives around the bend Cause he's 23
Christmas time again It's time to be nice to the people you can't stand All year I'm growing tired of all this Christmas cheer You people scare me Please stay away from my home If you don't want to get me down Just leave the presents and then leave me alone
wipe me by I pat them with my own Can't make it all alone I built my dreams around you
Christmas Eve. Gotta relax, turn down all of my advice. Last fall, I had a night to myself. Same guy called Halloween party. Waited all night for him to show. This time his car wouldn't go. Forget it, it's cold, it's getting late. Trudge on home to celebrate in a quiet way. Unwind, doing business right this time. The boots back out in the snow to the only all-night grocery When what's my wondering eye should appear in the line Is that guy I've been chasing all year?